This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, the Jacksonville Jaguars needed to win, and they got a win. They had to have it. It looked ugly at times. It looked like it might be dominating in the first couple of minutes. And then it slowed to a halt for the Jaguars' offense. They've got to figure out the red zone. They've got to figure out third downs. But they were able to figure out the Cincinnati Bengals at the end of the day and get an all-important win for this football team to climb back into the conversation. They've done nothing yet, but they at least get themselves back into the conversation, which is important at this phase of it, with a big game coming up against the Jets at home, and then a huge game against the Houston Texans, followed by the Indianapolis Colts, followed by the Tennessee Titans, in which will be the most pivotal stretch of of the season now that the Jags have at least taken care of the last week's game, meaning yesterday, and we'll see if they can do the same against a Jets team that I think is going to be playing better football than their record indicates. But we can talk about that part of it later on down the road. Let's talk about this part of it right now, live from Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. We are hanging out with the UNF Ospreys here today. They'll have basketball media day tomorrow. Today, they had their four scholarships golf tournament, meaning F-O-R-E, as in golf, get it? You got, got it. it. You yep. got it. Good. Yep. Uh, so good to play this morning, a little golf, and, and now be here on a beautiful afternoon, although the sun isn't shining. We hope the rain stays away. The comfortable temperatures feels a little bit more like fall, and uh, we're going to talk about the Jags all day long. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, back from Murray State. How was yeah. the trip? It was fantastic. Obviously a pretty long drive, but uh, overall it was a great time. Saw a bunch of teammates that I hadn't seen since I left back in 2010, so it was good to kind of hang out with everybody, you know, rekindle those relationships and everything. Couldn't drink at all because I had my fight coming up, so that was probably the only bummer of the trip, but also uh, also brushed shoulders with John ja Morant, so that was cool as well. And when I say... Ja was there. Oh, here's the thing. When I say brushed shoulders with John ja Morant, I mean I literally walked by him and didn't know it was him. Like, I honestly, really? And this is going to sound bad. I thought he was like a recruit for the basketball team. Because, like, I mean, he's, he was really unassuming. Like, he's just rocking a pair of gym shorts and a T-shirt. He didn't look like he was rocking $30 million worth of jewelry and stuff. So I walked past him, didn't know who he even was, and then all of a sudden they announced him at halftime on the field. I'm like, oh, that's John Morant right there. Yeah, okay. uh, they should have got you guys together, man. NFL, I know, man. NBA well, mix. I, I mean, just want to get him on the show. You know, I was trying to reach out from the show. But. I was, I'm impressed that he came back because the NBA season obviously starts up tomorrow night. Well, and I could have swore, like, that night, he must have had a game in Memphis. So I don't know if he had, like, a private plane that flew him yeah. for half halftime and flew him out but yeah it was it was cool to see him obviously he was the talk of the town a little bit not our football class but hey it was all good man it's good to see everybody he's making nba money man he, he is man the heck better he believe wants. it all right the jacksville jaguars impressions of this one from a dominating statistical effort there's yeah. a lot to like right you don't have any turnovers on offense you have a 100 yard running back you have a 100 yard receiver in dd westbrook really they game planned around him and, and it was fun to watch and then the defense gets it done especially late in the game in the fourth quarter and, you know that's where you have to get it done right the fourth quarter yeah. and they did they end up with four turnovers by far in a way their best day in terms of takeaways on the season they had only forced one all year in six games nice effort scary at times <laughs> very scary at times especially i feel like the first half you know i remember so what happened was i was driving back from kentucky so i heard the game on the radio listened to it through and everything and i kind of had a good picture of what was going on watched the game this morning you know front to uh from the beginning to the end and I remember watching like halfway through the third quarter, sitting on my couch thinking, how is this game this close right now? Like, it, it, it shouldn't be this close because, let's be honest, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they're a very depleted team right now, whether it's with injuries or just talent in general, uh, even the quarterback play, the, the mistakes. Um, they're, they're not, you know, they're not a very good team. And I think the great teams in the NFL, 
you know, when they go on the road, when they play those type of teams, they don't play down to the level of the competition. And I think for the first half overall, I thought the Jaguars kind of played down to the Bengals' competition a little bit. Now, their defense, the whole game was playing strong, but uh, it was kind of a rough first half, you know, for the team overall. Obviously, that second half with those turnovers and everything, like you said, Brent, that they happened in bunches. They happened in bunches, and, you know, it was kind of a, a landslide victory at the end. But for a while there, it was a close game. I was definitely a little nervous about and, it. And here's the deal. Listen, I think dominant teams go in and just take care of business over Cincinnati. The Jags aren't a dominant team. Let's not yeah. fool anybody, okay? They're 2-4, and four, and I think they're a pretty good 2-4 and four team. I really do. I don't know if they're a great team. I don't know if they're a very good team. I think they're a pretty good 2-4 and four team going into that game. And you obviously have a bad Bengals team. I mean, it's bad. And we've been around in Jacksonville. We know what bad is. We know when it's not going well. We know when you're not even super talented sometimes all across the board. And then you have injuries to key guys. And that's really what Cincinnati's going through. I mean, they. I don't even know if they look listless. I just think they're bad. Uh, and they're trying, but they're not going to get it done. And so, you know, you had all that going on. But I do think you have to keep in mind the Jags, we don't know if they're any good. You know, we really don't. Uh, I do think they have potential to be pretty good, but that defense has proved to be pretty average right now. They're not elite. Uh, who knows if they take off and get more takeaways now and they become very good. The statistics might show that. I think the pass rush is there sometimes, not all the time. They obviously have a young player on, in Herndon who's getting picked on now, trying to replace Jalen Ramsey, and he's going to have to go through some of those battles. Their linebacker play has been much better, although we'll talk about it. There's a bunch of injuries to that. And then they have a rookie quarterback who sometimes is going through the rookie blues. I mean, some good, some bad. Mm-hmm. He bounced back. Didn't turn the football over, although could have a couple of times. He, he gave a couple <laughs> options, too, yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you add all that together, we don't know if the Jags are good. I think they kept themselves in the conversation. And so, yes, Cincinnati's worse. Cincinnati's bad. But you don't walk into games and just win in the NFL most of the times anyway. You really don't do that if you're not like a very good football team. And so that didn't surprise me across the board. I guess the little things now that really are starting to jump out, one, it was the takeaways up until the fourth quarter. Jaguars' yeah. defense isn't giving them good field position, but then they started to, and look what happened. And then there's two glaring, well, three glaring areas of of problems for the Jags that they need to fix. And it might, and one might help the other. Third down conversions, mm-hmm. they have not been very good at all this year, and especially the last couple of weeks. And then in the red zone. And they go hand-in-hand, right? I mean, you get a third and two maybe at the eight-yard line. Well, now you've got a first and goal at the six or the five, and it might be easier to get in on four downs. Obviously, the fourth and one they weren't able to get in on, or you might say they're a little bit better in the red zone than things indicate. And then the last one is, for me is penalties. Oh, you know? man, that, that was one of my observations that I was going to talk about. And, and, yeah. and you, you know, again, we have these debates about discipline and timely penalties and all those other things, but at the end of the day, you look up, they had 11 penalties for 130 yards against a bad football team, so mm-hmm. you can't bail them out. And some of those were at the end of the game where they're just chucking it down the field, and I actually thought Herndon there were some ticky-tack ones. The personal fouls at Calais falling on the feet of the, the quarterback. Well, the, the one on Calais for sure. I thought the one on Miles Jack, I get it. Like, the guy was still up, but he also hit him in the helmet. Yeah. You know, and no, that's yeah, he the rule. Did. He did. So you have to know the rule. Josh Allen's was kind of weak late well, in the game on, it, the, on the, you know, the going low on the quarterback. Yeah. So. But, but here's how I feel about it, Brent. You know, in terms of, of the penalties, because once again, way too many. I think it was 12, correct? Uh, 11, I believe. 11, okay. 11 for and, and, and I always say, if it's over 10, you have problems. You have absolute problems because the Jaguars, if you're trying to go to the playoffs, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, over 10 penalties a game isn't going to cut it. They're not good. I mean, I get it, Minshew Manning and all this stuff, but they're not good enough to recover from all those penalties. And, you know, I guess it's kind of under my philosophy now where if it's the personal fouls, that falls on coaching. 
right? Because you can't mimic the personal fouls in practice, right? Like you're not going to go live and have Miles Jack hit somebody late after the after the whistle yeah. and get that penalty. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So as a coach, you have to reiterate, like, hey, these personal fouls here, they will not be acceptable. Now I get it, Clayus Campbell. Like, there's a couple ticky tack ones. The one where Clayus Campbell got pushed, they went back to New York, even asked him, like, yeah, that wasn't a penalty. I can get that, but. The personal falls it falls on, on the coaching. Now, when we're talking about the holdings and things like that, well, yeah, that, that's more of the player just getting your reps in practice, making sure you have the good hand placement, the footwork. But the personal fouls were the ones that kind of stood out to me as things that you cannot do. That's interesting you say that, too, because I kind of feel like some of those dumb penalties are things that have been coached for years and years to these guys, and they should know better. Hitting in well, the helmet at the end, I mean, yeah. there are newer rules, but still, Miles has been playing long enough not to do that. And again, I, Josh Allen and Calais Campbell, the falling at the feet, you just don't know when they're going to call some of those right now but yeah they got to clean up the penalties here's the deal though it goes back to what you're all about in terms of football and you sound like a coach and this is coach speak and doug marone and everybody else across football would say this yeah you know now everybody likes to throw it all over the yard but if you don't turn the football over right i mean they had four takeaways and they didn't turn the football over they got lucky a couple times but they didn't so sometimes you need luck and then on top of that what they have going for them right now is this confidence in running the football because leonard fournette is running Really well. Yeah. And almost, they should have given it to him more. Now, he ends up with 29 for, for 131, so that's a lot of carries. But it almost felt like they should have given it to him more mm-hmm. in the first half, the way he was running the football at seven yards a carry. And then on the other side, what they figured out since the Carolina game is they are stopping the run. Yep. You know, Andy Dalton had 33 yards rushing on scrambles. The rest of the team had 16 carries for zero yards. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can make anybody one-dimensional, even if you have Herndon back there instead of Ramsey, or even if you have some issues getting to the quarterback sometimes, you make people one-dimensional, and you're going to have a lot of success in this league most of the time. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, we talked about Mixon a little bit coming in this game. And, you know, he's, he's not maybe a world-beater, but he's still a very respectable running back. And also... Probably Giov- their best player, right, well, exactly. with, with A.J. Green on the bench. Definitely their best player. Then Giovanni Bernard, you know, is no slouch in himself. I mean, he's good in the run game and good in the past game as well, and the Jaguars absolutely sh- shut them down. It's funny that we talked about how I predicted this is going to be like the Gardner Minshew confidence game, right? He's going to get his confidence back. Now, I, I don't know. Like, he threw 150% uh, passion completion. I'm not sure if it was a real confidence booster, but when you watch that game, it was a confidence booster for that defense and even that defensive line. You know, like Taven Bryan thought played a hell of a game, you know, and then this is a guy that was due for a good game. I thought Clayus Campbell played a heck of a game as well. Back-to-back uh, weeks now. Yeah, yeah. J- Josh Allen, obviously, in, in the run game and in the pass game, getting his sack and everything. Yannick oh, Ngakwe. Don't give it to him, and, number 91. And, and, and listen, and Yannick Ngakwe is a guy that I requested that we're going to break down a little bit for our, our segment on Thursday uh, when we go to the wall because Yannick Ngakwe played a heck of a ball game, and especially in an area where people last year were very critical about in the run game. I thought he did an excellent job uh, with eye discipline and all that stuff. So we'll talk about that more on Thursday. I don't like to be reactionary, but I do believe that the Jags should this week begin conversations again with the representation of Yannick Ngakwe. I told you that last week. Well, really, I did a lot more on it on Friday, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But the more and more I think about it, the more and more I talk about it, the more and more I know I'm right. They have to sign Yannick Ngakwe at some point. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be next week. But this offseason, they need to sign Yannick Ngakwe. By the way, Gardner Minshew will be at Top Golf with us for Jags Report Live on CBS 47, 7 o'clock. You're invited to come on out. More on that throughout the show. More from Jacksonville Golf and Country Club right after this. We're talking a lot of football and a lot of Jags. They're now 3-4 and four after a 27-17 win on Sunday. Yeah, no, we moved the ball all day. Um... You know, I had a bunch of yards, ran the ball really well, uh, controlled the clock, uh, took care of the ball, 
Uh, so there's a lot of positive to take from it. Um, you know, we cleaned some things up in the red zone, and, you know, this isn't a close game, you know. So, so there's uh, stuff we can work on and stuff we're going to work on. That's Gardner Minshew after the game yesterday in Cincinnati. And, listen, he bounced back. He wasn't unbelievable, but he bounced back and made some plays with his legs. That opened the door a little bit. Remember, we talked about it last Thursday, what the Saints tried to do. Cincinnati didn't have the personnel to quite do that, especially with their secondary beat up the way they were. And the Jaguars found a way with the running game, with getting D.D. Westbrook involved. And then Minshew, I still think he looks a little bit uncomfortable sometimes in the pocket uh, and doesn't trust everything. And what he's really trying to do, I think, is not make mistakes. You know, we've had situations in the past where, whether it was Blaine Gabbard or Blake Bortles, and they've been told, don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over, right? And I don't think Minshew's been told that necessarily, but I think he's so smart that he understands that. And with the poor field position and also these games being so close the last few weeks, he doesn't want to make that critical mistake, especially in his own end. And I think if you look at some of the stats that are out there, he's throwing everything to the sidelines, not too much in the middle of the field where big plays could happen, but also mistakes could happen. So you add it all up, and I think it was a bit of a mixed bag, but the bottom line is, yeah, did he get lucky a little? Sure. He didn't turn the football over. And he used his legs. He made some explosive plays. And I was impressed with the fact that when they were down 10-9, to 9, this football team needed a drive. And they needed a touchdown. And they haven't been able to do that. And they got it. And so I would have liked to see after the Miles Jack interception them go right back down the field and score again because they had good field position. They weren't able to do that. But I think they passed the test to be able to get the lead back and allow this defense to do things from – playing ahead, uh, which is what you want to do as a defense. I'll tell you what was also refreshing was to see Chris Conley finally get going a little bit as well, you know, and they didn't really get him going on those go routes, although he was open on one that Minshew just missed, kind of was looking in the opposite direction, Conley was wide open uh, that I saw, but it it was cool to see Chris Conley finally get some of those touches, and guess what? He he showed what he's good at, Brandon, that guy's a burner, you know, I think we always talk about him running those go routes and everything, but if you get that guy the ball in space... He can make some things happen, uh, and I love the way they attack the cover, too. We talked about it all week. Chris Conley talked about it on your show as well, where they have to attack the middle of the field. I thought they did a great job with that with D.D. Westbrook, with Chris Conley as well. And going forward, now you're going to see a lot of that kind of defense. You know, I mean, a lot of teams in the NFL at least give some kind of variety of that cover, two defense. And if you could attack the middle with guys in space like that that have the speed, that have the agility to make a big play after they catch the ball, you got something special there. So it was great to finally see Chris Conley get going a little bit. Yeah, and listen, he's it's been there a little bit, and they just haven't been able to connect. But there are times I'm watching now. I don't watch the receivers every time. But when you're up in that press box, you get that kind of that, that broad view, and you can tell, like, sometimes there are plays. And I remember tweeting one time, it was like, there's nobody open. Like, there's nobody open. And they're working against some backups, too. So the Jaguars receivers at times have to do a better job. I really think John D. Filippo. You know, I, I think you could have criticized him a little bit early because he didn't give Fournette the ball enough. But again, if you add it up at the end of the day, he's got 29 carries. So how many carries do you want to give the guy? And you do have to pace that out a little bit since he is your bell cow and you really don't have too much behind him. But I love the fact, the way he got D.D. Westbrook involved in all the different variety of ways that he did that. And I think D.D. Westbrook ended up picking up five first downs on his six catches. I mean, pretty good stuff, you know. Uh, He became the go-to guy. The way D.J. Chark made that play right before the fourth and goal, you know, to get down there. Yeah, that was almost in, by the way, too. Yeah, it was almost in. But But the drive that they went ahead on, remember how they started that drive? They actually gave Chark the ball on like a jet sweep kind of play. Yeah. And he... 
ran. Well, and at first it looked yards. like it wasn't going to really be that much. Yeah. And he used his athleticism and got it like, yeah, like you said, 20 yards on and it. And then they got Conley the ball, and then they, I think, ended up hitting Didi as well, and then they get Cole the ball. So they really spread it out. Bottom line, what I'm trying to say is I think John Filippo is doing a nice job of trying to get guys involved and work guys open. And he's doing it all without a tight end. Because he really still doesn't have a weapon in the tight end game yeah. to use. If they could get Oliver going. If they could get that tight end play a little bit, I think that opens the door even more, and especially that middle of the field that right now Gardner Minshew isn't working too much. Well, and, th- and this is the beauty that like I always talk about. It's it's the fact that they're so dynamic at the wide receiver spot. You know, where any of those guys can really catch that ball in the flat, I feel like any of those guys can run that jet sweep um, and, you know, make it a big play. As opposed to, you know, if you have teams like maybe like the Falcons, where you watch yesterday, like Julio Jones is probably going to run a lot of jet sweeps, right? Like he's just not yeah. built for that. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, probably not doing a lot of jet sweeps. But you, but you have a team, and now listen, the New York Jets, obviously they're playing tonight, so they're focused on New England right now. But when they throw in that Jaguars tape, they got to take Chris Conley serious now. This is a guy that hasn't really flashed a lot in the box score in the stat column, but now they got to throw in that tape and be like, all right, well, not only do we have to stop DJ Chark, D.D. Westbrook had a pretty good game against Cincinnati, so we got to keep in mind him. And now we got to stop Chris Conley as well because that guy can beat us as well. So it's just it's throwing all these different looks, all these different variations. And when you have that kind of, I guess, when you have that kind of, uh, you know, you just have that trend where you can throw to anybody that you want on, the, on that wide receiving core, and you can finally get a tight end in the mix as well, like a Josh Oliver, if you want to go to swim, go to swim. That's when you have the recipe for success. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, part of that is all these guys have different skill sets. And mm. it begins with Fournette, though, man. Fournette's running the football so well. I yeah. mean, everything's forward, you know? Yeah, he dropped the fumble right there, and so they went backwards. But everything is pushing that pile. Mm-hmm. It's been impressive. And we talked to him in the locker room yesterday after the game, and you can't stop saying it. I guess you applaud it, and maybe we should, and maybe he's probably tired of hearing it. But the, the how much he's grown up as a professional. You know, how mature he is now relative to, I think, last year. I think he would admit it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the thing is, it's worth saying because we ripped them last year. So if we're going to rip them last year, I think we should compliment them on doing that. And that's just natural maturity of, of a guy getting a little bit older, a guy learning being a pro a little bit more, a guy going through some bad things. He even said it yesterday. He kind of said the turning point was that arrest, you know, yeah. which was pretty minimal if you really look at it. What happened back then? Remember, we oh, were of course, about. yeah, but, but obviously the reaction to it was the minimal. reaction wasn't. I mean, we had the chopper up over it, we had everything <laughs> over it. But he knows. Yeah. I think that hit it right. It registered yeah. with him. Listen, I mean, everything I do is under the microscope. Mm-hmm. I've got to fix things. I got to change things. And it's really cool when somebody tries to do that and it's paid off. Yeah, and it's paying off, and we're watching it. He's got 715 yards rushing yeah. through seven games. Well, and speaking of paying off on the field, too, you're starting to see a guy where I think his vision is starting to get a little better. He's starting to show a little more patience um, in some of the run plays. You know, this has been a guy in the past who just kind of like, you know, go to the hole as fast as you can, the lawyer's shoulder, and get a couple yards. Now, at least especially yesterday, you saw a little bit where he's taking his time. He's diagnosing where the hole's going to open up, and then he explodes from there. You know, and that, it takes time. It takes reps, and it just takes the experience. And you're starting to see that now, obviously, and uh, it's paying dividends for him and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, so the Jaguars are getting it done a lot better. I think overall, what do you think about their offensive line, how it played? I mean, I know there was a break. Cam yeah, Robinson well, had one, and then he went out with a toe injury. Yeah. You know, and... and uh, 
you know, Geno well, Atkins got to got to him. But well, first of all, Geno Atkins is a stud. You know, that's yeah. that's nothing new. Um, that guy was a problem all day for the Jags. I mean, I think that guy's a problem for anybody, Brent. And it's a shame because you don't hear of him that much, right? But I thought he played a heck of a game uh, on that defensive line for the Bengals. Kind of really the only, only the really lone bright spot, I think, uh, of that defense. Uh, as far as offensive line is concerned, you know, and I would love to hear the, the philosophy on it a little more, but. You know, there's a couple of times where I saw Sheldon Richardson in. There's a couple of times. Uh, I'm sorry, not Sheldon Richardson. Uh, Will is it Sheldon Richardson? Will Richardson. The, the, Will Richardson. The, Will, I'm sorry, yeah, not Sheldon. Will Richardson in uh, at guard. Uh, and there's a couple of times where you know I saw AJ Can and both made some mistakes. Both got pushed in the backfield a little bit. And this is you know various points of the game. You know, so they're still going with that rotation. I, I would just love to hear you know what the philosophy of that rotation is because i just feel like it's hard especially as an offensive lineman to try to get in that zone a little bit you know to try to get that chemistry brewing up because if you're coming in cold you know halfway through the second quarter i just feel like you're setting a player up for you know for failure but whatever the reason is that's probably the biggest thing that stood out to me was you know kind of the guard play especially coming from from can and uh will richardson well we had demetrius harvey on from lockdown jaguars.com uh, on friday on the show and he did a story on that exact thing we'll Richardson, AJ Can, and how they've been able to handle it. And to your point, like he even brought up, I mean, sometimes if you bridge halftime and with your reps, you might go 30, 35 minutes without even being on the field. Mm -hmm. So it's a tough thing to do. And I think it's a bit unorthodox, absolutely, right? We don't see it very much. But I think these guys are handling it okay. And you almost have to wonder, just like any other position, is it keeping them two things, right? One on edge from a competitive standpoint, because that guy can take my job any time. He's no longer on the sideline. No, he's actually on the field, and I have to outperform him just about every time. And the other one is it keeps you fresh. I mean, can it keep yeah. you fresh? I mean, what, yeah. what, so I guess my point is, yes, it's it's unusual. It's unorthodox. But why does it have to be odd where it might not work? See, to me, it's just it's the rhythm because I think both guys had some bad plays yesterday. Like, both guys stood out to me. Anytime you stand out to me in a non-good way, you know, I mean, that, that's not a good thing. So I just think that it disrupts the rhythm. And, and listen, I mean, I feel like if you're worried about the reps, you're worried about them, you know, fatiguing, I mean, then why doesn't every other NFL team yeah, uh, do this? Especially, like, you know, in the well, high-tempo offense. there's usually separation. Especially in the high-tempo offense. But there's separation you know? between, my, my guess is there's separation between that best guard and the next guy significantly enough. I think what yeah. the Jags are saying is there's really not a lot of separation here. Uh, I mean, I guess. You know, I've always had the philosophy, the same thing with, you know, two quarterbacks in college. If you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I get it. It's not if as... we start making a cliche out of if you have two right guards, you have no right guards, that would be a good one. We should well, yeah, I was going to say it could be a teaser or something like that, and that's just what I believe. I just feel like you, you mess up the chemistry a little bit, you mess up the rhythm, um, and like I said, both guys, you know, they had their moments where they didn't perform good, both guys had moments where they did play good, it's just, to me, it just messes up the whole chemistry thing, but hey, I guess they know something that I don't, and that's why I play defensive line, not offensive line. Well, I don't know if they do, by the way, because I, I don't think they're trying to outsmart it, I think right now it's been working okay, and yeah. I, I guess you could you could want just the same. If A.J. Can was in the game the whole time, or Will Richardson was in the game the whole time, would they have double as many bad plays as you noticed? Yeah, I mean, you could. yeah, you could definitely speculate that. Um, but at the same time, kind of like you brought up, where if you're constantly having to worry, man, if I mess up here, I'm probably coming out. I mean, that's you know, it, it's yeah. not the same as a defensive line, like where you know you're coming out regardless, because you, you have because that rotation is different. You know, I think it's a lot more fatiguing. All due respect to offensive linemen out there, but it's a lot more fatiguing to be a defensive lineman. You know, when you're going through a ten play drive as opposed to offensive lineman. So I think kind of having that in your back, where it's like where if I mess up a little bit and that's sticking with you, then I'm gonna get pulled. Uh, 
that's that's kind of a testament to something as well. Hey, by the way, we will get to Jalen Ramsey. We also get your calls in if you want. Star Star 690, just because we're on the road, we can get your calls or your thoughts, and there's been plenty of them over the last couple of days, not just on Ramsey, on this football team. And what do you think about that win and where they're going? How good are the Jags? Three and four says eh, pretty average and maybe even a bit below. But after all this stuff, is there almost a sense of confidence? And the idea that even if the rookie QB struggles, guess what? Your franchise QB, your $88 million man, is coming back to the practice field on Wednesday and eligible in a few games to finally play. When we come back, though, that defense, without Jalen Ramsey, how good is it? Next on ESPN 690. Thought offensively, we moved the ball, but situationally, over in the goal to goal. And obviously we were one for whatever in the red zone. So, you know, you're not going to win a lot of games unless you have those turnovers and do those things, you know, uh, doing that in, uh, in this league. Uh, we were fortunate. Uh, we understand it. And we know we have to work on it. Uh, that's Doug Marone. He's a realist, you know. I mean, I don't think he was the happiest guy after that football team, uh, football game, because they've got issues, you know. I mean, they've first of all, they've got some injury issues. Uh, Joe Giles Harris, they did sign off the practice squad from a linebacker standpoint. They like him, so at least they have a body on the practice squad. But it'll be interesting to watch their linebacker issues from an injury standpoint. We'll get updates on their other guys uh, throughout the week too. But. Yeah, you got to fix third down. See, what I, I think when you're seven weeks into the year, you get trends. And it gets trendy, and you know who you are a little bit. And while the Jags bucked the trend yesterday a little bit from a turnover standpoint. See, they were a team that couldn't get turnovers, Correct. couldn't force them. Well, they bucked that trend. Now does that start a new trend where they can kind of change that narrative? You know, Right now, they're a good running football team with Leonard Fournette. He's playing well. And right now, I think they're a pretty good offensive football team. They get up and down the field. But they have two major issues that are trendy, and they need to fix. And if they don't fix, they won't win. And that is the red zone and third down conversions. Usually don't buck the trends like yesterday's game. Maybe a one-off. You know, where you have a great day. But usually you are who you are by the middle of the season, don't you think? I, I do. I mean, I absolutely agree with you here. You know, you start to have your identity a little bit. But, you know, this kind of carried over from the last game going into this game where their offense wasn't really rolling, uh, especially in the first half. You know, and the thing that they all have in common in those games is the fact that, yes, they're not that good on third down. Now, is the result that maybe – they have to deal with third and longs a little more than they like to, probably, you know. But I think and that's kind of the, the the peculiar thing, Brent, because they are running the ball very well right now, you know. So if you can run the ball well on first down, that sets up the second and short, the third and shorts, and those are easy conversions to make uh, to continue to continue down the field. So the the fact that they are having trouble right now on third down, it is a little alarming, you know, especially this deep into the season. Something to keep an eye on, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I think. Going down the road now, I mean, you have to look at it where do you have to kind of change what you're doing maybe with the run game a little bit where do you have to pass a little more on third down? Do you have to not rely on Fournette so much, especially like we talked about? He got 30 touches or something like that uh, against the Bengals, and, and I get it. I mean, that's what you want him to have, but we got to keep in mind this is a this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint right now, so you, you want to make sure he's healthy going into those Week 12, Week 13, Week 14 games. All right, let's flip it around. Brent Morton here uh, with former Jags player Austin Lane on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Reminder tonight at Top Golf, Gardner Minshew will join us for Jags Report live on CBS 47, 7 o'clock. You can watch the show. You can come on out as well to Top Golf. Right now, we are at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, the UNF. 
athletic program having a scholarship event today, and uh, we were here for it this morning, played a little golf, and now here with the show. So good to be out here at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, which is a beautiful place, a uh, private club here in Jacksonville. They just redid their greens. They look outstanding and uh, just a fantastic location here at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. All right, the defense. They, they got it going. Uh, I think the best thing you can say right now about this defense is they fixed the run game. Now, Najee mm-hmm. Good, I think, is a big part of that. Because for the for, for the last six quarters, at least, if you take, go back to last week's game, he replaced Quincy Williams in the first couple of quarters of yesterday's game. He replaced him until he got hurt. I think some of that is the veteran no-one-assignment football instead of the rookie being in there and the gaps and all those yeah. things, the fits, well, certainly Quincy, help, right? Quincy Williams had a good game, though, too, when he was in. When he know? got back uh, in. Unfortunately, um, yeah. you know, he, he appeared to be injured a little bit, came back Hamstring, out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought their defense as a whole, that their linebackers were a lot better. I thought the communication was a lot better. The only play that really sticks out to me as far as a, of a lack of the communication was that QB rollout with Andy Dalton where he got like 30-something yards, um, pretty much untouched for the first 20. And, uh, you know, th- that was kind of a result of where Smoot was playing that big end technique. You know, he was playing inside the tackle, and that safety coming down just kind of left him out to dry, you know, and, and then the edge was wide open take advantage of it and it's something i talked about before uh on this show a little bit and listen i have to go back and watch it and we can maybe break it down or whatever but i always felt and this i talked to teams before i talked to offensive coordinators about this before when teams used to play the jacksonville jaguars they would audible like if the jaguars were in like that you know that big front if they had like that big defensive end they would audible and run bootlegs to that big defensive end because when when you do that the big defensive end has a trouble, you know, he doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the quickness to really counter off that boot. Uh, so a lot of teams would game plan around that. If you remember, if you go back, you know, three or four years ago, watch the Jaguars, watch how many teams ran the bootleg to the big end side. And that's what happened with Andy Dalton here where Smoot was inside, the safety came down, and for whatever reason there's miscommunication. But that was really the only play, Brent, that stands out to me from the miscommunication standpoint. Now, yeah, Miles Jack gave up that touchdown in the end zone. I thought that was a really hard play on his part. I thought he diagnosed it for the most part pretty well. Uh, it was kind of like a, like a pick play, but it wasn't really a pick because he didn't get a penalty. So we'll call it a rub play. Uh, but on that rub play, I thought he diagnosed just a, just a fraction of a second uh, too late, and it was a touchdown because of it. But overall, um, yeah, I think the communication's better. I thought the defensive line played a lot better, and the linebacking core played a lot better as well. Yeah, and, and again, they played a not-so-good team, but they played this way last week, too, against the Saints. I thought they played a pretty good football game. They held yeah. the Saints team that just scored 36 mm-hmm. against the Chicago Bears to 13 points. Yeah. So I'm still a little bit confused at what this defense is, if I'm being honest. You know, I don't think they're great. I really don't. I, I think they're going to have lapses on their pass rush. Uh, I think they are going to have lapses in their back end a little bit, and depending on if they're playing Quincy Williams or, or not, I think they might even have some lapses in the middle part. So, I mean, they are going to give up some explosive plays. Everybody gives up plays, okay? Everybody gives up scores. I just think the fact that they are stopping the run now with some consistency bodes well moving forward, and they got big tests this week yeah. because they have Le'Veon Bell coming into town. Yeah, you know, and, and we're talking about stopping the run. Like like I talked about when I left, uh, after I watched that Carolina game, and I was nervous, not because... Because, you know, they, they got out gun out man because, you know, they got I mean, the other team was more physical than they were. It was all mental mistakes. And it was all the fundamentals and, you know, and the discipline. And I think after that Carolina Panther game, I think the defensive line especially took it upon themselves to listen to, hey, 
you know, we kind of got embarrassed a little bit in Carolina. We made Christian McCaffrey, who was a good football player, but looked like a god, basically. <laughs> and they kind of took it upon themselves to clean up some of those mistakes. Um, you know, kind of clean up some of that eye discipline. And so far, you've been seeing against Elvin Kamara. And now you saw it in a pretty good, uh, in a pretty good back in Mixon. So, and you, t- you talk about Le'Veon Bell coming to town. This is a guy who's, if he's known for one thing, it's the fact that he can find the hole. He's super patient, you know. So that's where you have to stay in your gaps. You can't take the chances, uh, you know, and make the mistake. And overall, I thought Marcel Darius played pretty well. He popped up a couple times. It was good to see his, uh, you know, his, his name getting called a little bit in the backfield. And like I mentioned before, I can't say enough about Taven Bryan. And I, I think once the cool thing about Taven Bryan, I've talked about it before, Brent. He reminds me a lot of me. You know, he's he's a super uh, emotional kind of guy. He likes celebrating, right? He's a he's a high intensity type of guy. It's just the fact that he's got to, you know let the game slow down a little more. I think when he does that, you know, and he kind of takes a couple of breaths and analyzes what's going on, has the good hand placement, because he has the get-off. He has the intangibles. He has the strength. He has the speed. And those things you can't teach. But what you can teach are the patience, are the eye recognition, are the hand placement, the footwork. And once those things come around, I think he's going to be a really great player. So from an IQ standpoint, from a football-savvy standpoint, he might be a slow developer, a little bit of a late bloomer. I mean, he needs these reps, right? He needs some mistakes. And if he doesn't make the same ones twice, he might turn this thing in. You know, when when guys have been drafted over the years at the defensive end position, I told somebody this last night, some of the guys would say, some people down that building, you know, it takes two, three years mm-hmm. for defensive linemen to really find themselves. Now, some throw it off. Yannick Ngakwe might jump right out of the gates. Josh Allen now has Josh five Allen's sacks. Josh Allen's doing that. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you can be freaky. Yeah. And, and, and this day and age, everybody wants it done right now, and then you get a label if it's not. So I get it. Mm-hmm. But my point is, some of them do take a while to develop, a little bit to develop. I even said this to somebody. I said, if Taven Bryant has the career of Tyson Alawalo. Oh, you is would he t- a good pick? <laughs> you would take that all day. I mean, but, the, and you know, here's the difference, though. You t- See, I think that's right. I think you would take you that would take it all day. as you a 28th to. pick. The problem is yeah. Tyson Alawalo well, was a 10th pick, right? And, and listen, and you can call me being biased here, call him whatever you want, but he, Tyson Alawalo is one of the most underrated Jacksonville Jaguars to ever play the game here because what the, he did everything they asked him to do. You know, he was in a position where he didn't really get a chance to shine a lot, you know, because people always want the sacks. People turn to your stats of your defensive tackle, and they say, how many sacks do you have? How many tackles for loss do you have? But they don't see, you know, a guy taking on double teams. They they don't see a guy, you know, deflecting the passes and things like that. And listen, there's still a reason why Tyson Alawala right now is playing in the NFL. He's playing at a high level, and he's playing for one of the best defensive lines and one of the best defensive units in the entire league, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a reason why he's still playing. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. By the way, I, the thing I like about this defense is you can name almost every guy on the football team that now has made a play seven games in. Sure, mm-hmm. could they have more consistency? Could they be more dominant in some areas? I think that's right. I don't think they're 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I don't. Yeah. But I do think now you start adding up Ronnie Harrison's got three takeaways. Mm-hmm. You have DJ Hayden who's playing out of his mind, I think. I think he's playing really good. Miles Jack comes up with his first splash play probably since 2017 in the AFC Championship he needed game. It. Yeah. You know, it's the first time. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't made other plays, yeah. but I even told him, I, said, I feel like this is your first splash play. Yeah. The one that everybody's like, whoa. That's the athlete. That's the guy that signed the big contract. And then you go up and down. The, Calais always makes plays, right, here in a game. And then there's Josh Allen, five sacks. Yannick Ngakwe picks six. You mentioned Taven Bryan. Yeah. You mentioned Marcel Darius. Avery Jones gets a sack. So, again, I don't think they're like even Chicago's defense problem. Well, but I think they're pretty good, and they can come up and get you at any time. They can bite you. And it's funny because we talked about the identity a little bit, right, with the offense is kind of bad on third down right now. You know, that's kind of their identity. Well, 
all the good things that we just said about the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, there's still something that makes me nervous about that defense, especially that defensive line and their identity right now from you know what I've seen so far in the first couple games here. And I want to talk about that when we come back. We'll talk about that. We'll get to the phone lines as well. And we talk more about NFL week number seven and an AFC South that got smushed together tighter and tighter after a Jags win. It's all coming up. From Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, kind of backed up in a corner uh, on the road. Um, but, you know, I feel like it brought us together and uh, really got us focused on what we needed to do. That's Gardner Minshew. He'll join us tonight from Top Golf, by the way. Jags Report Live. That is at 7 o'clock on CBS 47. Come on out to Top Golf and be a part of it uh, here in Jacksonville on a Monday night. It's each and every Monday night, but Gardner's going to join us tonight, so that's pretty cool. Is uh, Mitch Humania come back a little bit, just a little bit, maybe? Little, uh, a little, uh, a little life to it. Has my microphone come back on? Okay, yeah, we're good. Yeah, have, but I don't like to hear when you have to put it on. So oh, I, I got you. My bad. Uh, yeah, I think Mitch. I mean, hey, as long as you win. Is always going to be the Minshew Mania. That's right. So I think that's the most important thing. That they got the W. They got the W on the road. It's always hard to win in the NFL, especially on the road. So, yeah, I think for the most part it's back a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. and, and, by the way, you know, it's fun watching him run around. I'm not sure he's supposed to run around all the times he is. Yeah. But it's cool watching him run around. I mean, that's fun. Isn't it? It's backyard football. It is backyard football. There's yeah. a little bit of that. In fact, a lot of those plays felt like backyard football. D.D. Westbrook saved them on one. That was a backyard football play. Just go make a play. Yeah. The touchdown to Cole actually was kind of odd, right? Yeah. I mean, it was that the design for the ball to be thrown no, there, in that there, spot? There, there's no way with he put that much arc on it. Like That, that was a design play, but uh, it worked out, and that's all that matters. Yeah, we're going to get to your defensive thought in a moment, sure. okay? And we're going to get around the NFL just a little bit. we got some Jalen Ramsey coming up at the top of the hour. we got to get to that. Uh, but first, Wally's on the line. He's been hanging, so I want to get to him, and I think he's upset about his Eagles. Oh. Uh, but it, maybe it has a relationship to Nick Foles somehow. I'm not sure. Hey, Wally, what's up, man? Hey, I, I did talk, call you uh, in the beginning of the season when Nick uh, – in the beginning of the season. But um, I'm kind of distraught about after the game yesterday. Um, my feeling is that they – it wasn't the defense. I mean, the, the – Cowboys' numbers were not spectacular. Um, they just benefited from short fields because of all the turnovers and, and botched plays. So my question to you is, where do they go from here? If they get all their players that are injured back, to me, they still are a formidable team. But I don't know if it'll be too late. So what do you guys think? Do you want me to take it, Brent? Take it away. Thanks, well, Wally. Appreciate the call, man. Thanks, Wally. So this is actually one of the only games I got to watch uh, last night since it was the late game. Uh, so I did watch the Eagles and Cowboys game. And, and, Wally, listen, I can sit here and say, and it's funny because you didn't mention the defense that much, but I think the defense needs to be put on blast a little bit here. And you're obviously a diehard Eagles fan, so me sitting here saying, well, they have a lot of injuries, you know. I mean, just give them time to come back, and that's what's going on. I could sit here and tell you that, Wally, but – that's not going to make you happy as a fan, right? Because every NFL team is experiencing injuries. What you have right now with, with the Philadelphia Eagles is the fact that they cannot generate any single pass rush on defense. Uh, you saw that last night a little bit, and that's kind of been their M.O. the entire season. And you have a guy by the name of Jim Schwartz, a defensive coordinator, who I played for for a long you time. You love Schwartz. Uh, I mean, I... Not I the guy. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the defense that he, he implements. But the problem is, if you do have injuries along the defensive line, uh, you have to adjust a little bit. And Schwartz has always been notorious for not really blitzing that much and just using basically his base uh, package, which is good if you have the guys to do it. But they don't have the guys right now. So they're not generating the pass 
rush. And then you, I think you have a culture problem a little bit too. Uh, look, look no further than Nelson Aguilar last night. Nelson Aguilar had a t- chance for a touchdown. He didn't lay out for the football know, for whatever reason. It sure looked like he should have. It, it definitely looks like he should have. And I think Carson Wentz has regressed a little bit. And I'm not sure if the problem with Carson Wentz is the fact that he's worried about getting injured again. Uh, you know, he's kind of vulnerable on that knee or whatever the issue is. But Carson Wentz doesn't look like a guy right now that wants to make $100 million in his next contract. I'll be honest with you. So I think you couple that with the uh, with the locker room. You, you, you kind of pair that with, you know, whatever that's going on with their defense. And you got a, an issue of problems. I mean, we know their secondary is bad. And I understand that, you know, the Eagles want to trade for Jalen Ramsey and the Eagles fans wanted Jalen Ramsey in Philadelphia. I, I, I can get that. I they understand didn't give that. him enough. Didn't give him enough. But at the end of the day, Brent, one guy is not going to fix their problems right now. And, and, and for the Eagles, they have more than just one problem at secondary. He would have helped. Uh, with all due respect to Wally, and I'm not like an Eagles hater, like Philly fan hater, whatever that is. I just, I'm not a huge Doug Peterson fan for whatever reason. Like, I think he's a really good coach. Yeah. I think he has coached really well. And I think, by the way, I thought about this yesterday. They might be in a little rut, but you watch. They'll rally. They'll come out of it at some point. Yeah. And it might be too little, too late, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But they'll rally. Mm-hmm. He has fixed that. He has done that before, even last year. And he's also done a pretty good job when he has had some key injuries. Obviously, Nick Foles being a part of that mm-hmm. in a couple of years for the Philadelphia Eagles. But he's kind of a guy, like, I don't mind seeing lose. It's weird. It's, it's just arrogance well, about it, him. That, is, is that because what he said about Doug Marone? Well, it's not that. I'm okay. not like this, uh, hey, don't say it. But, the, but that's him, though. I think there's yeah. an arrogance about him that I think if he's your guy, you kind of like him. If sure. he's not your guy, you're like, wait a minute, man. What Have you have you done enough? Oh, yeah, he's won a well, Super Bowl. Yeah, right? He, out, yeah, he, outdid, he, has won a he Super outdid Bill Bowl. Belichick and Tom Brady. So, again, I think he's a good coach. Uh, I just I was thinking of it last night. I was like, you know, Philly's a team that I don't mind seeing lose. Fair enough. He, and well, I don't know why that is. But. And and I think Eagles fans would agree with me here where he's made a lot of questionable calls at the running game as well. You know, like he was all in on Miles Sanders when you had Jordan Howard, who's got quite the, you know, the background coming from Chicago. They put Jordan Howard and he starts dominating. Well, then now he's struggling. It's just... Right now, it's really a mess in Philly, and it, and it shouldn't be. I get it, it's the injuries, but there's a lot more to it than just guys getting hurt. I'm going to save your thought on the defense because we're up against a break. Yeah, no I do want a quick thought on the AFC South. I mean, are the Colts the team to beat now? <laughs> it, it kind of flip-flops, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, when we made our predictions on Friday, I thought for sure Houston would come in there and show them what was up. Um, I still think it's, it's the Texans or the Colts because you got to keep in mind the Texans lost Will Fuller. That game to a hamstring. They did. He and could it, be out well, a while. But all of a sudden, here comes Kenny Stills, man. They don't miss a beat. You know, they, they have a lot of weapons in their offensive line. Well, they took a couple hits yesterday. The offensive line is still good for the Houston Texans. I feel like now the Colts might be the team. They, they get the Broncos and the Dolphins and, uh, like, the Steelers over the next three weeks. You know, when the Jags play them, if Foles comes back after the bye week, they could very well be 7-2. and two. At the very worst, they'll be 6-3. and three. Sure. So, uh, again, uh, here's the deal. You almost don't even need, maybe not need to win the division yeah. in the AFC South. It could come a wild card. You might well, be fighting for a wild card spot. And I'll tell you what, the Chargers did uh, the Jaguars zero favors yesterday in Tennessee. Unbelievable. Stop but giving, I'm not worried about Stop Tennessee. giving Gordon the ball. I'm not worried about Tennessee. Okay. Got I like that. They took like three touchdowns off the Melvin board, Gordon, man. <laughs> All in, and listen, this is a former Wisconsin guy, so I hate going against him. Eckler but, caught a touchdown but, for but you in well, fantasy. Well, when you have Austin Eckler in fantasy. And he beat you me want because of that play, I think. Oh, it was a lot more plays than that. You were nervous yesterday afternoon, weren't you? Not even You were nervous. Not even close. Yep. Undefeated, beat Brent Martino yesterday. Sorry about it, Brent. 5'11", 200 pounds, <laughs> nervous 6'6", 245. That's what it is, folks, here on ESPN 690. More Jags Talk, Jalen Ramsey Talk after this. It started when, uh, when, it was a, when it was a front office change in Jacksonville. You know, some guys were put in positions of power. 
who, uh, like I kind of just talked about, didn't care to understand, I guess like you could say, even this generation of guys or even us as players or us as people in general. Um, well, that's Jalen Ramsey with Ryan Clark talking, uh, of course, about the Jaguars front office and why he wanted to get out of Jacksonville quite frankly. Uh, more of that coming up in just a moment with Jalen Ramsey. I don't want to lose your thought, though. We were talking about the defense, and one concern you said about your the defensive line. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, we're here at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. It's raining now out here this afternoon. A uh, reminder, we'll be at Top Golf tonight live on CBS 47 for Jags Report Live. Gardner Minshew is going to join us, and we usually do the show outside. If there is some rain, we might have to pull that inside, but we'll be at Top Golf either way. Uh, so come on out or watch the show on CBS 47. But the defensive line, which we said, hey, this guy can make a play and that guy can make a play. You said there is one concern you have about it. What is it? Yeah, and that's something we've kind of talked about a little bit going uh, on the show here the past couple weeks is their ability to generate the pass rush um, out of their base coverages, right? Where they haven't really been able to get up to the quarterback, Brent, and then the base formations. Now, when Josh Allen had his sack, uh, you know, if you go back and watch that play, that had Dom Capers written all over it. And the reason I say that was because, yes, they did rush four. It wasn't a blitz. But if you go back and watch what the Jaguars did in that play, they had three guys to the right of the center and only one guy in Josh Allen to the left of the center in his, in his usual you know defensive end technique. But the other guys were all to the right of the center. And then they ended up bringing, I think it was Ngakwe, around. So they are you know finding different ways to generate a pass rush. But as far as you know, like the, the base coverage, especially when they when, when they bring in that big end, whether it's Dwayne Smoot, whether it's Josh Allen playing that big end technique, they haven't been able to generate the pass rush at all. And uh, I think going forward now, where teams are a little more balanced, want to you know maybe run the ball like kind of like the Jets do a little bit, where they run the ball and then set up the pass a little bit, uh, that could hurt the Jaguars. So I think it's something to keep an eye on, obviously. And at the end of the day, if they have to generate more blitzes and things like that, that they kind of showed they can go man a little bit with Trey Herndon. Thought Trey Herndon did a, a fantastic job yesterday for the most part. Only really gave up a only one catch really stands out to me. Yeah, to, I think fantastic might be a little bit too strong of okay. a word. Yeah, I, I think enough. because he's getting. Be- I mean, he might have had five penalties against him. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, I, mean, no, I, don't, I forgot to look exactly of the eleven. How many were against him? It felt like five or six. Yeah. But I, I think at times he's okay. You've got to realize they are going after him like yeah, fifteen times a game. Mm-hmm. So the the sample size is big. And so if you if you I think if you went after Jalen Ramsey fifteen times a game or twenty times at a game, well then he's probably going to miss some plays, yeah. right? I think every corner will do that. It's just the nature of that position, even if you're great. Now, obviously, Herndon's going to miss more of those plays. But my point is, they're really making an attempt to go after him. They're hardly even looking at A.J. Boye's side most of the time. And I think because of that, yeah, sometimes he's doing a good job, but other times he is being exposed, or they're making catches on him, or he's getting flagged. Well, so I, I, I don't know how to grade him. Really, Auden State had that one ball on him, you know, and it was a nice pass. And yeah, I mean, he got beat there. But I think the fact that the Jaguars are still letting him just play man coverage—they're not really helping him out at all yeah. in the back with the zone. Shows they like him, man. Shows that they have faith in him and everything. So I think going forward, if you're confident with Trey Herndon playing that man coverage, you can send a couple more blitzes their way. And I think Jared Wilson's been steady. He's not flashy. He's been steady. And I think Ronnie Harrison's starting to look a little flashy which is good, and DJ Hayden and Boyer are playing well. So if you take four out of those five guys, I think they're doing a nice job in the back end. And if you have one guy that might be exposed time to time, he's going to take some lumps. He's a young guy learning to play, but I think they do have confidence that he can get it done uh, for their defense. All right, now back to why Trey Herndon is playing, the Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Did you hear the interview, and and what did you think of, first of all, him doing the interview 
and I guess what he had to say. And we'll get to more of what he had to say in just a moment about the Tom Coughlin stuff in the front office. But overall, what were your thoughts? Well, that's the beauty when you have a nine and a half hour drive from Murray, <laughs> Kentucky. That I actually played. You know, like the whole. It was like thirty minute interview. I got to listen to with Jalen Ramsey. I uh, like the extended thing and. What did I think about it? You know, I mean, I thought it was I thought it was pretty standard. I mean, everything that we've been talking about, he kind of touched on a little bit. He, he mentioned, you know, he wasn't upset with Doug Marone at all, Shad Khan, Tony Khan. They're all good, you know, and he mentioned them by name. He didn't really mention Tom Coughlin that much. And, you know, a, a guy who we haven't really talked about as far as in this nature, but he fits in the front office as well as Dave Caldwell. You know, we, we weren't really sure where Dave Caldwell fit in all this yeah you know if the problem just stemmed from tom coughlin with jalen ramsey was it a combination of coughlin and, and caldwell well i think the fact that you know ramsey didn't really mention dave caldwell by name at all it kind of shows that maybe there was problems with caldwell um as well and, and that kind of stems from i think you know i mean whether it's the the free agent signings whether it's giving certain guys money and not giving other guys money or something like that or even the draft picks i think you know ramsey had a problem with that as well but i think i can shed some light on that too yeah, hit, i don't think he personally has an issue with caldwell okay um in fact i, I don't think so but i think he does lump him into the coughlin call it's like a group right mm. you know, shot and tony are the owners you know, Doug's part of the coaching staff. And then there's these guys that are making these moves, not giving me my contract, all those other things. So I think that's part of the lumping in, although I, I don't believe there's a lot of, from everything I can gather, like some bad blood between Caldwell and Ramsey and that much. Um, now, what went on in that whole thing on, in Houston after that game, that's up for debate and, and how much that might have spun uh, in a different way in terms of Ramsey. But uh, this is still basically... When he said there was a front office change, Dave Caldwell didn't change. Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell was already there. Tom Coughlin is the one that changed yeah. the front office. And so there's no doubt this is still – I think he solidified that this was – my problem is with Tom Coughlin. Okay, yeah. And I think the other thing I took away from it was the problem, the fact of there wasn't a lot of communication going on. You know, there was the, the fact that when Tom Coughlin came out and said that he had an issue with, you know, not having 100% participation – and then I guess they tried to get a hold of Jalen Ramsey before I guess Jalen had a new phone or something like that he was saying. So they tried to call his agent and then you know they tried to get a hold of him after the whole Marone incident. It, 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 whatever the reason is, because listen, all I have to go off of is Jalen Ramsey's side because I don't know Tom Coughlin's side. I don't know what transpired because do you know why? The front office won't talk. They won't. So talk. all I have to go off of is what Jalen Ramsey says, and if it's right, wrong, or indifferent. At least someone's talking about it because the other side has nothing to say. And so if that's the case, i got to take with what Jalen Ramsey says as what happened because nobody else is coming out and defending themselves. And they're leaving Doug Marone out to dry, basically. So uh, take it for what you want there, but I thought it was a lack of communication, too, obviously, and that's so important, which I always talk about in a locker room. I have some more thoughts on it, but here's more of the Ramsey interview with Ryan Clark and really targeting the front office, especially Tom Coughlin. My first two years of me being in Jacksonville, I did um off-season training program there, of course, trying to do everything with the team, trying to be there um, and develop as a leader and, a, you know, a key player for the team. Those first two years, I got hurt. I wasn't able to go through training camp, preseason, anything. I was hurt trying to recover the whole time before the season, not really being up getting my groove. So after, after two seasons back-to-back of that happening, I decided to make a change. So I started to do that, and um, everybody knows, my teammates, the coaches, they always have known that I'm a very hard worker. I, I 
practice hard. I practice like I play. I, I work hard. Um, I go out there. I try to get. I, I try to earn everything. I don't want anything given to me. I try to earn everything. Uh, in consecutive years of me not going to voluntary uh, workouts, I was talked bad about by by some guys in the front office to the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was local media, national media, it didn't matter to them. I was talked bad about. I was basically portrayed. Uh, I guess you could say as a bum. To be mm-hmm. honest, uh, a guy. I was portrayed as a guy who didn't work hard, a guy who, oh, he was just giving everything. That's why he's not here working hard. He's probably just chilling. He's, you know, right. uh, not doing anything. He needs to be here, blah, 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 whatever the case, whatever was said, was said. Mm-hmm. That rubbed me the wrong way. That, rub, okay. that definitely rubbed me the wrong way because that's not who I am. Now, listen, this is Jalen's world, okay? This mm-hmm. is where Jalen's world. When he says that I was portrayed in the media as a bum, let's just stop right there. <laughs> Have you ever heard anybody in the Jags building say he's a bum and not say he's a great player and a really good player and whatever about the personality part? And sometimes you, you know maybe you you hear that and from time to time, yeah, he can be tough at times. Even Doug Marone, he's praised. He said when he walks through those doors, man, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Like he said that earlier in camp. This is. This is the one thing about Jalen Ramsey that we've come to know. And again, athletes try to put chips on their shoulders. But I can tell you this. For the four years I've been around for Jalen Ramsey's career in Jacksonville, I have talked to a lot of people in that building. Coaches, players, administration, whatever else. And I can I can tell this is not me like sticking up for the organization. This is just telling you that Jalen Ramsey tries to perceive things differently <laughs> than they really are. Mm-hmm. Because there's not one person that ever said, This guy, man, this guy's a boy, he doesn't work hard, he doesn't do anything. They've always defended him. Even now I'm talking to people and they're like, Listen, he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad he's 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 not you know, he, he would have been fine. You know, it would have been. There are some people that believe that. Now, I don't know if Tom Coughlin, I'm not talking to him about it, So, and, and he's not talking about it. I don't know if he would say that. But I do think there are some folks that, that would say, would never say that even now that he's gone. So he just, he did this. He kind of said, oh, boy, uh, I've been called out, so I'm a bum. Well, nobody ever said that. Nobody ever thought that in the Jags building. I don't think anybody ever thought of that in Jacksonville, even if you liked them or didn't like them. Mm-hmm. So, and and I'll, I'll give you another example of this, too, because we had a firsthand experience, the media did, when he got suspended two years ago in camp because he was yelling at the media coming off the field. And amidst other things, he tweeted, kept tweeting after, at the media. But after he had left that field, and there was no video of the whole thing um, that was released, at least. We met with Jalen Ramsey shortly after. He wanted to meet with us. Like, mm-hmm. But his perception of everything that happened out there was so warped compared mm-hmm. to reality. It's like he did not understand that, listen, there's no video going anywhere, man. There's nothing even out there right now. Do you know in this day and age, most you can just put that stuff out there. Right now, you could be going viral saying what you just said, and there isn't anything out there. So he just kind of he crafts this thing. He lives in a world where he tries to get that chip on his shoulder. So the whole bum thing kind of was like, nobody's ever said that. I don't ever hear anybody say that, and I've never heard, even if you don't like him as a teammate, you will at least acknowledge that he's an unbelievable football player, a really good football player. And I think most people in that organization, and all people that I've talked to in that organization, say the same thing. So that that part of it was like, what are you talking about? Now, again, this is not a defense of Tom Coughlin or Jalen Ramsey. Here's the thing about where we stand on Jalen Ramsey, or at least I have, and we've had so many discussions. Mm-hmm. I think the Jaguars should have done everything in their power to keep Jalen Ramsey. 
He is one of their best football players that have ever come, come in there. So I think they should have done anything in their power. I also believe there's a sigh of relief this week that Jalen Ramsey is gone. And I think from players in that locker room, too, there's a bit of a sigh of relief. And I think they once again performed well. The energy was good yesterday. I think they're a little tired of that saga. doesn't mean they don't like Jalen. doesn't mean they don't admit that he's a very good football player, all those things. But I think there's a bit of a sigh of relief in that building. That's just the reality. Mm -hmm. I also believe the fact that he went on with Deion Sanders at night after that game against the Falcons, and they joked about the back injury. And he basically said, yeah, I was faking the back injury to the point where I well, couldn't play. He didn't say he was faking it, but, I mean, it's, he, it's implied. It's, he impl- but he, he didn't come out and say, yeah, I was faking it. He implied that – that's a good that's a good catch. Yeah. He implied that he could have played. Yeah, I mean, it's when you watch that interview, it, everything's implied that he could have played for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, listen, I, I, I had his back, you know, and, and no, no pun intended. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I was the guy that said, yeah, he's he's actually hurt, you know, and I maybe we'll never truly know the extent of the injury. Now, could he played? Obviously, probably could have played. And I was the guy that said, listen, if if you're gonna do the whole my back hurts thing, just be real. I mean, if if I was to, to criticize anything that Jalen Ramsey's done over this whole process, it wouldn't be the fact that. And listen, I understand he was sick and he had a baby, uh, and and those are two valid uh, excuses. You know, and, and the whole back thing, we may never know. But at the end of the day, if you plan on not playing, then just say you're not going to play. Say trade me, it's not going to work out, and just say you're not going to play. That's the only thing I had, I had a problem with uh, in Jalen Ramsey. Now, did maybe his teammates, because all I care about, Brent, once again, I'm taking all the motion out of it. I don't have a Jalen Ramsey jersey. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey never talked dirty about me, and even if he did, I honestly wouldn't care, man, because I'm taking the motion out of this. All I know is that the fact that, his teammates seem to support him, even when he goes to the Rams and has an okay game, posts about it on Twitter. You'd be surprised how many teammates uh, like that status on his Twitter, but no one's talking about it. A lot of players that he played with liked his status on Twitter playing for the Rams. Why would they do that? Is, is that all just saying, hey, Jalen, uh, we miss you, man, but we don't want you back? No, because I think they want to see him shine. That's that's what, his te- that's what a good teammate's for. Now, so if we're looking back on it now, man, yeah, he probably did some things wrong. Didn't have to bring up the back if it wasn't really that of an issue, but he did, so we're here now. At the end of the day, he got what he wanted. The Jaguars got reimbursed for it. And, you know, if you're bitter about it, you just got to let it go, man. It's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah, and I don't even think, like, uh, I've tried to wonder that, too, because I think you got to be a little careful. If you're rooting for, like, Jalen Ramsey not to do well over the next couple months, couple years, whatever, well, well let it go. Because he's a fantastic football player. Well, I he's going to play well. So if you're rooting for that part of it and you're so salty about it, well, don't go there. And I have no problem. Listen, I think the Jags are probably better off. Again, I think they should have tried to keep him. I would have liked them to stay here. I liked covering them. It was fun to cover them. I didn't always agree with them. I still don't always agree with them. But I think it was a fun cover. And now we don't have that around here. I'm not salty about it. But I do think I've I'm been consistent. I have two major problems with what he did the last month. The timing was awful. And I know people in that locker room didn't like the timing of that. I know it. Maybe not all of them, but the timing was brutal to do this at 0-2. And then the fact that he could have played, he said he would do anything he could for his teammates, and he didn't. He just showed his face last night to Deion Sanders. And so he showed his face to his teammates. And however you want to characterize it, it's selfish, it's me, me, me. And at the end of the day, he did kind of quit on this football team. Might make him a great teammate in L.A., but he well, quit on these 52 guys. He, he may have quit on them, but at the same time, it seems like they knew what was going on the whole time. That's Even though fine. we didn't, they knew, and if, as long as the teammates were good, man, 
That's all I can ask for from a Jaguars. Yeah, fan. I'd like to see if they were, he was on the other side of a football field on them, if they'd all say that same thing. One quick question, though. So is this the end of the front office controversy, or is another player going to come out eventually and say something? No, I'm not done with the front office talk, because yeah. I just talked about Jalen Ramsey. I'm not letting the front office off the hook either. That's not what we've done. I think we've been pretty consistent with that. We talked more about it on Friday. I think Doug Marone said it. On Thursday or Wednesday this week, he pointed down that hallway, too. And the Jags front office isn't off the hook, so we'll keep the conversation rolling. Here from Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I mean, we got a, we got a big win, so that was important. Uh, I feel like I played uh, okay. I got to get in my groove a little bit more. Um, it's maybe one, maybe two plays that I wanted to have back or play a little bit different. I thought it was good. I want to get into a groove with knowing... Uh, my safety's a little bit better, knowing the guys I'm out there with a little bit better. I, uh, this game, I really trusted in them a lot. That's the way I play certain techniques. But I want to kind of get into a groove a little bit more of, of how I do things with, with this secondary. But Jalen Ramsey, after the game for the LA Rams, they put a whooping on the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, the Falcons are so bad. I mean, gosh, I, you know, I know they've had endorsed the Dan Quinn, but the way this has fallen apart for the Atlanta Falcons, you got to wonder a little bit about his future and, and where the Falcons are headed. I thought for sure the Falcons would put up a better fight than that uh, against the Rams. The Rams were coming in struggling too, you know. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Julio Jones got Jalen once, and mm-hmm. but nothing crazy. And again, listen, you can root all you want. Jalen Rams is a freaking good football player. He's going to play a lot of good football. And you know, we talked about so much. I was talking to a lot of people yesterday about the Jalen Ramsey thing. In Cincinnati, you know, from media members to other people. And it's really interesting the way I think about it. I've always been almost enamored with the idea, and I'm going to really stereotype here, so please uh, stay with Uh me. Uh oh. But it's not, don't worry, it's it's not any uh, (laughs) from a. Yeah, don't, it's not from yeah, that. No, you're good, man. I'm just messing with Uh, you. Not from anything you accused Kuz of last week. But. uh, Still mad about that, by the way. I'm going to stereotype a little bit because I feel like this has always been my perception yeah. that Jalen Ramsey is from like St. John's County in Tennessee. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's from middle to upper class, whatever middle. Let's say middle class, right? Mm-hmm. Lives a good life, fine. Heck, to the point where sometimes you could, if you want to go crazy, it's called spoon fed if you want, whatever. Okay. You know, name your your stereotype of somebody that uh, <laughs> that might do okay. And white collar, entitled, whatever, okay. all that stuff. Okay, you know. Go ahead. Yep. But he plays with a chip of somebody that comes from like where Leonard Fournette is from. Okay. In New Orleans. Yeah. You know. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to represent this kind of the best Plus I can without really like uh, being politically incorrect, which I probably already have been. But, <laughs> but that's always been my view. I've always been fascinated by that with Ramsey. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, he plays like with that. Yet he's from here. Like, how does that happen, you know? And and I don't know how it's happened. Like, I've never been to his hometown. We tried to do a story his hometown. It never worked out. But I, I've always – I find that interesting. And in this game, you have to have that edge, right? Like, Yannick Ngakwe has an edge. But you know what? I think he grew up uh, with just him and his mom. And, and he grew up in, in Maryland area, not a great area. I mean, he's got – like, you can kind of see where that chip has come from, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I've been his hometown either. But I'm just saying uh, – you can get it sometimes with guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then other times you're like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. Like, where did that will to win, will to compete, the will to do everything come from? And and that always fascinated me about Jalen because I, I didn't know. I, I, I always was curious about that. Well, at the same time, I've always, wa- I've always thought Jalen, and we've had conversations about this. I don't know if Jalen knows who he wants to be, who he is. Mm. Like, 
Sometimes he wants to appease these people and be nice. Mm-hmm. Other times he wants to be that edgy guy. Other times he wants to be that cool guy with the swag, the brand guy, Dion. I don't think he is Dion Sanders, but I think he sometimes wants to be Dion Sanders. You know what I'm so yeah. I feel like he's if you go back and look at all the sound bites that we've gathered over the years of Jalen Ramsey, you will see what I'm talking about. You will see all these almost not personalities, like in terms of the way he's acting, but the style of how he does everything is different on a uh, maybe in 2016 than it was in late 2017. It's just it's interesting. Uh, I get what you're saying there, and it's listen. I don't really compare a lot of MMA or fighting talk to football, but it's kind of along the same lines where they always say, you know, the the, the best fighters in the world are the guys that grew up rough, right? Like they just have that kind of chip on their shoulder that allows them to be a great fighter. It allows them to have the heart and you know, basically, quote unquote, swing till they die, right? And you can apply kind of the same thing in football a little bit, where if you don't have that chip, well, then we have to prefabricate that chip. And we have to maybe make enemies out of people like the media or something like that, that, uh, you know, that kind of gives you the motivation a little bit, you know. And, and that was a guy who I was always a self-motivated person, but I always took a chip where I could get it. And not to say, you know, I mean, as far as growing up is concerned, I mean, you know, I, I come from pretty humble beginnings, you know. We didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't really uh, a lot of money growing up and everything like that. And it was a, it was a small collar, blue collar family, whatever you want to call it. But um, I, I always would manufacture the chip myself because that, that's kind of how I played. Whether it was you know someone talking smack about me, I took I took it personally. Whether it was a coach like we talked about when I was in college, where the coach said I wasn't performing right, well, I wrote that down on a piece of paper, hung up in my locker, and that got me you know pretty much to the NFL. I feel like was that moment right there. So uh, uh, it takes all different types, Brent, and some guys. You know, it's whether it's their upbringing or some guys, whether it's the environment right now that they currently surround themselves with, whatever it is, but they have to find some kind of edge. And for Jalen Ramsey, I think it was the edge of, you know, trying to find people that are going against him, whether they were right or wrong, and uh, trying to put them to try to be the villain a little bit. Yeah, kind of me versus you all the time. Exactly, exactly. And and maybe that's why Jalen Ramsey's so great, and that's what makes him so great. Maybe it is what it is. But I'll I'll tell you this much, though, and and I've been there, Brent. And I I told the stories in Chicago where it wasn't the best environment for me, and I was kind of coming to work a little bit every single day, miserable. And I would literally, every single time a coach said something to me, a defensive line coach said something to me, I would write it down in my notebook. And I would circle it, and I would highlight it and be like, and I'd write like you know little phrases like they don't want you here, they don't want to see you make it. All these little phrases. And looking back on it, probably not the healthiest thing to be doing, but the, <laughs> th- th- that was my edge at the time. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, I was busting my ass because of the things I wrote down in my notebook. So every player has got something different. But at the end of the day, you just got to realize: is it genuine, and is it going to help you out in the long run, or is it manufactured to the point where it's going to make you kind of look like a bad dude and a bad teammate? Yeah, and that's it. And I guess what I was—the moral of my story was—we don't know who Jalen Ramsey is. Yeah. But quite frankly, I'm not sure at times he does either. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't. And so, but you just asked the question. You just said something that that leads us into the most important part of this. We have some folks right now saying, "Okay, stop talking, Jalen. Stop talking, Jalen." Well. You do you understand? Like the bigger issue with Jalen is who's next. Yeah, like, who's well, that's what next? I've been trying to tease on the show for a long time like, now. Is he's not the only one in that locker like, room? Yeah, this isn't any more about Jalen. You're right. I mean, we now can put that to bed. I still think it was important to talk about what he said on ESPN and for his teammates and how that react. My thoughts, at least, on that. Yeah. But now it's about what's next. Should this front office be talking and explaining themselves? Should there be more communication, maybe on the interior, even if it's not in front of a microphone? Mm -hmm. And what happens now with Yannick Ngakwe and other players that might have this similar situation at some point? Yet they might not do exactly what Jalen is doing, 
but they could. Like, what's stopping Yannick Ngakwe coming off a pick-six performance in a critical time to say right now, hey, works for Jalen. Yeah. So Maybe it will work for me. Maybe I should do the same thing. Listen, and I cannot hammer this home enough where I believe, and I don't, you know, I mean, call it a source or whatever, or just call it whatever you want. But Jalen Ramsey is not the only guy. I mean, you can use logic here. Jalen Ramsey is not the only guy in that locker room that probably has an issue with the front office. No, nah, we right? talked about that last we, week. Yeah, yeah. And, and where Jalen Ramsey had that advantage was because he was Jalen Ramsey. He was the best, well, one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best cornerback in the NFL, one of the best players of the NFL, a former All-Pro. And anytime you kind of have, you know, you have those accolades, you can get away with a lot more. Now, you're, you answer the question, Brent, what's next? You know, I mean, yeah, there are guys like Yannick Ngakwe. You know, there are Miles Jack. There are Clayus Campbells and everything. You know, there are still the household big names, especially in the city of Jacksonville. But no one can really get away with what Jalen got away with. So, what we're, and I actually just believe Just because that. they don't have the brand across the board? Correct. I mean, that's just my opinion. Oh, that's but, interesting. Yeah. But I truly believe that if it gets worse before it gets better then other guys are going to come out. You know, like, it, it, it's almost like the tipping point, right? Like, right now, there's the point. And Jalen wasn't happy with it, so he left town. Other guys in the locker room probably still aren't happy with it, but maybe for whatever reason, whether it's money, whether it's uh, the politics of it all, are probably not going to come forward and say anything. But if it keeps escalating, if it keeps getting worse and worse and worse, then I, I won't be surprised if another guy comes out and says, you know what? I don't want to be here, and I'm not happy here. But let's be honest here, though. If they keep on winning ball games, that can fix everything. And they have kept everything really good. And and this is, you know, inside uh, yeah. this locker room. It's been impressive, quite mm-hmm. frankly. You know, some people talk about chemistry and all these things. It's been pretty impressive what Doug Marone's done, what the senior leadership of that team has done. Yeah. And you have to give them a lot of credit. We did last week a little bit, and I think after this win, you continue to do that. They responded in a nice way. It has weight on them. Whether they want to admit it or not, it has weighed on them. It has brought these kind of questions into light, not just focusing on football all the time. But you also just brought up, hey, you used to take notes. Jalen might need somebody to always go against. Mm-hmm. So how much of this is Jalen saying, I'm up against that front office because I need somebody to go up against. I always need to be battling somebody. And how much of it is this front office just doesn't know what the heck they're doing sometimes with key players? Because I will say this, is the, J- is the Leonard Fournette... Re- example that far different than what Jalen Ramsey just experienced? Jalen Ramsey said he was disrespected by the front office. Numerous occasions. Yeah. Going all the way back to the OTAs and the Tom Coughlin words. Correct. Well, couldn't Leonard Fournette feel the same exact way about having guarantees denied, having all these other things happen, and all he did is take it and go in a different direction and say, I'm going to make myself better, I'm going to make myself a better player. I'm not saying he was motivated by Tom Coughlin and other guys. I'm not going to give him that credit. But I'm just saying he took it in a different way. He's still with the football team, and he's probably doing a better job of leadership than he's ever done before, even when he had the C on his chest. Correct. So here's why, and I guess we can... You know, chalk up to another reason why Jalen Ramsey never really got to me at all and why I don't really have to badmouth the guy. Because as far as the on-the-field product and as far as what he's done in the community, like, listen, the guys, as far as I know, he's never been arrested and he's never done anything detrimental to the fact that you got to say, well, he's a bad guy. Now, no, maybe it's been a sideshow. Yeah, it. it's been a sideshow. Now, with Leonard Fournette, he did punch a player in Buffalo, okay, all right? And he, he did have the thing in Houston with it was Tim and TJ Yeldon, right? We're sitting on the sidelines. Yes, and toward the end of kind of, it. Bad wasn't look. a good look. Yeah, whatever you want to that call that. That was more Jalen-esque, by the way. It was more Jalen-esque. In terms Jalen-esque. of how it was perceived. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, and yeah, I mean, I've seen Jalen get in fights on the field, but I never saw Jalen get, you know, 
thrown out. Well, he did get thrown he off did, the field for that one. Once, but, actually. But, but, but to be fair, though, I think that was more of the retaliation mark. It was, that's the way his, it was viewed. You know? In fact, Tom Coughlin, I think, defended him exactly. for the statement after that. And they never – I don't think they actually fined Jalen Ramsey or took some of his bonus money away for those incidents. No, they didn't right? do any of that. So when you compare it to Leonard Fournette, well, with Leonard Fournette, it's kind of the other side of the spectrum where Leonard Fournette did have some things that were detrimental to the team. Right, and he yeah, got missed the team picture. Missed the team picture. He got, he got tossed rest. out, and the rest, and everything like that. So, okay, to, fair, to, fair point. But so, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're Jalen Ramsey, you look at it like, well, I've done everything I could, whether it's in the off season. I've tried to be, you know, a, an upstanding citizen, and I've never been arrested and all those things. And, and I've been ejected from a game, but it wasn't me that caused it. You know, it was more of just kind of being in the wrong place at the wrong time with AJ Green. And guess what? You take AJ Green out of the game. I'm going to give him a little pat on the butt and be like, hey, good job, man. You took A.J. Green literally out of the game. But it's difference, Brent. There, there are there are little differences between a guy that's you know been a team player and never really done anything off the field that got him in trouble as opposed to Fournette who has. Okay, last part of this, and yeah. then we'll uh, move back on to, to, to some football and really Yannick Ngakwe in a different way because is it time to start hashtag pay Yan even more mm-hmm. um, after yesterday. But now Tom Coughlin, yep. quiet. Silent. Doug Marone, you could tell he was irked by that even last week. Uh, Shad Khan has had at least some words, some statements, and I think that has at least helped a little bit that somebody else other than Doug Marone is talking. Yeah. And I don't think, by the way, Dave Caldwell is going to be up there talking. I mean, that's not just what they're not going to do that. I think it will either be Tom Coughlin or it's nobody. So in your mind, how much does Tom Coughlin need to say something about this? Is it already too late? And if he did talk, what could he say that would say, well, I, I appreciate that at least he gave that side of the story. Uh, he doesn't have to. I mean, to me, just say a statement, don't take any questions, and walk off. You know, like just. just well, he kind of did that in written well, fashion. Well, but, but he really, but but we didn't. I mean, it was. Let's be honest. It was the most generic thing of all time. Yeah. Right. We got nothing from it. And listen, I think it says a lot about Doug Marone and the fact that Jalen Ramsey even said, and I have no reason not to believe Jalen Ramsey in this one, where he said him and Doug Marone are cool. You know, like him, he doesn't have a problem with Doug Marone. And this is a guy that... By the way, he should this is, well, have a problem with Doug Marone. But this is my point here, Brent. Defended him so much. Th- th- this is the guy that almost got in a fistfight with him on the sidelines, right? Like, to, to, to still have respect for Doug Marone and say he's still cool with him, that says a lot about what the players, not only about Jalen Ramsey, but what that locker room thinks about Doug Marone. From, from all things considered, I feel like the players, they like Doug Marone, right? Because oh, yeah. he's always had the players back. He he took down training camp a little bit, and, and he helped them out. Because you know why? Doug Marone's a former player, and I think Doug Marone gets it. I think he gets it a lot more than other coaches get. So he has the players' respect in that locker room. And if I can come on this show and talk about how I think it's really messed up and awkward, the fact that Doug Marone got left out to dry, and he's literally shouting down the hall, for someone to come answer these questions and no one's coming and he's kind of like the scapegoat, well, guess what? Those guys in that locker room, Brent, they're thinking the same thing I'm thinking right now. And they want to have their coaches back. So I think, I mean, if you're Tom Coughlin, if you're trying to keep this whole thing together, if you're trying to show respect to, to, to Coach Marone, if you're trying to show respect to the to the guys that follow Coach Marone, then you got to come out and at least say something and show face because – and, and, and I'll say this again. It was one of the most awkward things I've ever seen is Doug Marone trying to justify trading Jalen Ramsey and having zero information about it. It, it. it was just it was bad. I think it was a black eye for the organization, and, and, and I'll say that in, until the cows come home. Yeah, and here's the deal, too. I believe that was an indicator, and what he has said over these last couple of weeks about Jalen Ramsey and how he has kept his football team together, I believe he has separated himself from Tom Coughlin. 
And, yeah. I, you know, I think if you go back now to 2017, he was hired in part because of Tom Coughlin. Mm-hmm. And I think they were step in step, right? And they kind of the way they attacked everything, that hard training camp, all those things. Well, I think if you start looking at what happened since maybe even before July, but I'll go back to training camp. I think this is a departure. It's a separation of philosophies in a sense. I'm not saying they hate each other, by the way. That's, no, for that, sure. That, I'm just saying there's a separation where Doug Marone basically knows. That this is my view of it. I'm not telling you fact here. But this is my view is that he said, you know what? My job's on the line. i got to do what I think is best to win football games so we can all keep this thing together. And I think it is this way. And it was, remember, how much did we talk in training camp about, oh, this is not the usual Doug Marone. Yeah. I mean, you think hard guy, your disciplined guy, hard training camp guy. Well, that wasn't the way it was. And then we've seen protection of players. We've seen him be able to keep this thing together. I think if he was step-in-step step right now with that same kind of Coughlin ideology, I'm not sure the players would be so supportive. No. You know what I mean? So that's my view on this thing is that they've detached to some degree well. in the last few months. And right now, that's keeping this football team together, and that's why I think Doug Marone's doing a good job. Yeah, absolutely. And if that is the case, and we can point to the fact that that probably is the case, if they have detached, if Doug Marone's kind of saying, you know what, if the ship's going down, I'm going to do it my way, yeah. basically. Okay, more power to you. But here's the problem. And you can say the same thing on a football team. If you don't have guys that are on the same page on the football field, or if you don't have guys that are on the same page in the front office between the head coach and those above him, you're not going to win football. I mean, you, you may win football games. You may win some football games against teams you're supposed to beat. But you're not going to go to a Super Bowl. Because I, I, I promise you one thing. All Super Bowl winners have something in common. It's that they're always on the same page, and they're all going towards the same goal. And I saw that firsthand when I was meeting with the Seattle Seahawks to try to sign a contract with them. I saw how their owner, their GM, because I talked to all of them, and Pete Carroll did things. And they're all basically like the same person. They're all, they're all the same organism, basically. <laughs> you, 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 you can't have... You know, I'm over here on this side. I think this is right. I'm over here on this side. Because if you have that in your front office, well, then guess what? That's going to trickle down eventually to your team, and it's going to be a nightmare. But you can't have this, Austin. Again, I don't think you have to necessarily go into work and butt heads every day, and I don't think that's taking place. So there is a difference. Yeah. But I think you can separate yourself as the head coach of the football team, and I'm doing it my way, and the executive vice president of football operations can do things the way he needs to do them and, and what he sees fit and makes decisions, even if I agree with them or not. And but, I think in the first two years, it's felt like it was kind of lock and step, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone. What I'm saying is I don't feel like it feels that way anymore. But here's the problem. If you're the vice president of operations, everything you do is going to have a direct correlation to the head coach. And if the head coach doesn't agree about something, too bad because he's kind of, you know, he's outranked there. So I'm saying it's fine right now, but if they keep making decisions based off what the vice president or the, the, the vice president of football operations does, well, that's going to have an effect on Marone. And if they don't agree... You're going to have problems. Just saying. Right. We'll put a bow on the Ramsey talk. That's it for now, at least. Okay? Um, Until a podcast comes out tomorrow, then we'll get back on it. Hey, if he's going to keep talking <laughs> and saying stuff, he's going to keep bringing things up. See, yeah. that's the thing. I almost think it's too late now for even Coughlin to talk because they want to move on. They want to get away from this stuff. So if he talks, he's in the headlines for the next three days. He should have done it last week yeah. after the trade. But a week later, I think it's almost too late. Like, what are you supposed to say now to appease everybody, not make headlines, and have this continue to be a topic, and I'll have people telling me not to talk about it anymore? At the end of the day, I do think we can say two things did happen. The front office has been wrong in this, too, because they lost one of the best football players to ever walk through that door. That's on them. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey also did not handle this well the last month. His team did not handle this well the last month, in my opinion, and you can't move me from that. 
I think he was selfish. I think he quit on his football team, and I don't think that's a good thing to do as a football player Mm -hmm. either. Hey, when we come back, let's get back to the game yesterday and back to this defense a little bit. Yannick Ngakwe, is it time to pay him? (laughs) Will he get paid? And the importance of doing that because of not only his play, but what it might mean amongst the conversations. Coming up on ESPN 690, we're live at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. It's raining now. All right, man, here's the deal. Yeah. We got the cutout in the office. Yeah. Right? It's of you. Well, there's one of me, too. But yeah. you have the thought bubble. I do it's have a, the thought it's bubble. It's almost like ever since we got the thought bubble, you thought you could work less and not have the whiteboard anymore. <laughs> it's like I said, man, I, I need some markers. I always forget to bring them. I mean, do you want me to show you where Staples is? A Walmart? A, a, you just got to remind a, me, man. A CVS? A Walgreens? You just got to remind me, man. You know what? I, I, I mean, do you want me to I'm go get tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm on strike. Uh, with, with that speech bubble on the whiteboard is, is no longer until Jan gets paid. <laughs> and this is my holdout. This is what we're doing. Yeah, I got. Uh, do you have a problem with our front office? Uh, I, I just might. I just. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, making, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not. I don't care about getting paid. I mean, I'm, I'm happy right now where I'm at. I'm happy to actually be getting a check now because in the first couple, yes. we, it was, yeah, it was a little problem. But uh, how's your back? I mean, it, it's as fine as it needs to be. Okay. Um, unless something happens on the radio show where. I, I, hey, listen, I, I have the MRI results to prove mine still messed up from high school. So I can always go back to that if you need me to. It's never going to be clean. It's never going to be clean, but it is what it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, the the speech bubble in the office, it still says the same. And you know what it says? It says pay on. It says pay on, and it has for a long time. Yeah. And so my point is, is it pay on petition time? Should we start it? So if, if you could listen. If you go back to this this last game here, to me personally, I thought you know Jan got a little bit of his mojo back, and not to say he really lost it because I still, I still think he's playing pretty good football. But the, the the plays that hopefully we can we can break down on Thursday and everything we'll go over more in depth and more in detail uh, Thursday during the show and and, and on the board when we go. Yeah, to it. the wall that says it all. The wall that says wait. it all. Are you yeah. telling me we're gonna just make it all about Jan? It's gonna be a Jan day. It's all, all right? about Jan. It's gonna be a Jan day. Hope that's cool with you. But, uh, I hope Jan's taking notes, too, because yeah. I know he's taking notes if you say anything bad about Well, him. here's the thing. I'm just glad I can finally talk good about somebody on the wall that says it all, and I have to like break down defensive sure. breakdowns again. Hey, but whatever you work, that, that breaks my heart, man. I think Minshew saw what you broke down or something, because oh, well, he, he broke, hey, out, he broke hey, out of the... I wasn't going to say anything, but he did <laughs> run that ball exactly in the same hole where I said it was open last game. So I'm, I'm not taking credit for it, Brent. I would never do that. The players make the plays. I just talk on the radio, but... <laughs> If you want to go and give me a little bonus, go and give me a little bonus, man. I appreciate it. But getting back to Jan real quick, Brent. Yeah, I, I think it's time to pay Jan because this is a guy who's starting to find that groove a little bit, starting to get you know get his name mentioned a little more and more. Obviously, have that pick six, big play for the Jaguars. And I think going forward now, I think you're going to see a guy who's starting to gonna he's going to end up in the stat column a little more, especially you know in the turnover category and in the sack category. I'm not going to belabor the point. If you listen to the show Friday, I hope you did. If you didn't, go back and listen to the show if you want. But yeah. and we talked a little bit about it on Thursday. But I carried the conversation over because I slept on it some. Okay. And I really think, and and I even may have told some people this weekend that this you have to do it. You now have to, from an optic standpoint, get Yannick Ngakwe signed. Your best draft class, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe, the best player you ever drafted. 
maybe one of the best players. I'm sorry, talking about the regime. The best, maybe one of the best players you ever drafted in franchise history is gone. Traded him away. Couldn't get it figured out. Couldn't keep him here for a long time. That might be on you. That might be on him a little bit. But the bottom line is you couldn't do it. He's gone. Miles Jack is here. And we have to see if, you know, he's going to earn that contract and, and continue to progress and all those things. You cannot lose Yannick Ngakwe, therefore losing two out of the three of these guys, or making two out of the three of these guys unhappy, or whatever it might be. You can't come to blows in the media, you know, and I don't mean physically, but I mean with words like this all went down with Jalen Ramsey. This can't be a bad look. This has to be buttoned up, get it done, and get it done. Mm -hmm. And I think they have to do it. Even if you overpay a little bit, even if you think the value might not be where it's at, you still have to do it. And the Jaguars have to find a way. And that starts with conversations. Pick up the phone. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. I'm not talking about that. I think they have to find a way sometime this offseason or between now and then or by the league year or whatever it might be to get this thing done with Yannick Ngakwe. He might be your best value pick you have ever had. He's already top three in his career sacks, and he's 24 years old. He'll be 25 in the spring. He has a pick six now. The only other guy in franchise history to do that is Tony Brackens. Everybody told me that he can't play against the run, although I've already seen three dominant plays this year against the run. I'm going to show you why I can on Thursday. I can't wait. I I don't even know how to look for the rest of them. So maybe he's doing other things. So at the end of the day, you have got to pay Yannick Ngakwe. One, he's earned it. Two, he's handled this whole thing pretty well. If you want to hold against him the 11 day holdout, fine. But okay, people do that. That's the way you're supposed to handle the business side of things. Not two games into the season, ask for a trade. Mm-hmm. That's He handled it the right way. He's handled everything else the right way. And those are the conversations we had Thursday and Friday. I think he just put an exclamation point on that on Sunday with the big play that really cemented the game for the Jacks. Yeah. I mean, you could argue. Now, Taven Bryan was in on that play. But oh, you can argue. Taven Bryan caused that he play. Caused Don't that get play. it twisted. Yeah. But, but it was a good read by Jan, and he makes the play. Yes. Listen, I've seen a lot of guys drop football, too, playing in that position. Mm-hmm. You, He cemented that game for you. He did. And he helped cement it. And I think now you really have to get these conversations going. And I think they will, man. I think they know that. Uh, listen, uh, people can people can portray the Jags as not knowing what the heck they're doing. The front office is this. For, they're not dumb. They understand they need to get Yannick Ngakwe here for a long time. They can't make this messy and muddy. And I believe it will get done sometime probably before the league year. And, again, if you have to overpay, and, and hopefully you don't have to overpay in your mind because he keeps doing things like this, sacks, stopping the run, pick sixes, all those kind of things. If he has this monster year in the last nine games, well, he's going to earn every single penny, and you're not even going to talk about value. Yeah. Hopefully that's the way this shakes out. But either way, they have to find a way to get it done. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, it is as simple as that, Brent. And, and you know, and, and I get it. There's still going to be the crowd out there, no matter how much I try to beg and plead them. But we have Josh Allen. We're good. Oh, and, I, and listen, com- I, I don't know if you listened to the show the other day, but I already went on that rant. Oh, sorry, man. I mean, I already well, went on that rant. Well, Do not tell me we have Josh Allen here yeah. in Jacksonville. Well, that then, is not good enough. Well, then go on and get up the saddle, Brent, because I'm going to piggyback off you a little bit real quick here. Where... Yes, Josh Allen is a hell of a football player, and he's showing that already. I think is he's first or second now with sacks. I think he's I, I first in rookies with sacks. And rookies because he's, he's, be, he's beating Bosa right now in San Francisco. Or is he tied with? Okay, whatever no, no, it is. He's first. He's first. Okay, okay, okay. He's beating Bosa. Okay. But uh, when, when you have Josh Allen, yeah, the guy has a chance to be something special. He's already shown that. Five sacks. Yeah, that's you can't ask much more out of a rookie. He's playing very well. And Yannick Ngakwe is also playing very well. He's also playing well in spots that people wanted to criticize him. 
pro football focus even want to say a little something about it, I guess, where maybe he's not the best in the run. Well, guess what? He put those doubters to bet, okay? I mean, he is good in the run, and I can't wait to show everybody on Thursday why he's been good in the run. But at the end of the day, Brent, if you want to be successful in the NFL, this pass-first league, this quarterback-driven league, you need more than one guy coming off the edge to get up to the quarterback. Count to see how many times, uh, even against the Bengals, how many times Josh Allen and Yannick Ngakwe were on the field at the exact same time. They need them both. You can't just rely on one. You need to have both guys. And if you mix that with a good three technique like Clayus Campbell, you got something special. So, Brent, I'm, I'm with you on this one, man. I think you got to pay Yann as soon as possible because the last thing you want to do is hold out, is to hold your chips and say, let's see what happens. Well, let's see what happens when he has 12 sacks, a couple turnovers, maybe another touchdown. Other teams are going to want to get on that get on that ride. I'll share another story and another reason why to sign Yon coming up next on ESPN 690. Offseason, uh, I took a lot of time working on myself. You know, like I said, without God, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Number one, you know, I had a, a tough season. Uh, Offseason, so I got arrested, uh, things like that. I had a carry. And uh, just like I say, you got to find ways to get past a lot of the negatives turn into positive. But even in the beginning of the season, uh, the first three games was, uh, was in a slump for me. You know what I mean? So I took the time out to deal with the O-line on uh, Thursdays, Fridays, whatever the case may be. Uh, just try to develop a better relationship. You know, me understanding those guys, them understanding me, and uh, just where we come from. Well, that's Leonard Fournette after the game. And I said it earlier in the show. There's two things to keep an eye on here with Leonard Fournette. One, he's running the football fantastic. So everything he did to get his body in shape. You know, this guy's a stud since he's 12 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a legend in Louisiana, in the New Orleans area. And he was a legend at LSU. And he comes into the league, and I think he never gets enough credit for 2017. I really do. I believe that. And then last year was miserable. And so the, the biggest step to fixing that is at least accepting the fact and, and, and noticing the fact that it was miserable. And he well, messed up. Yeah, right? let's be honest. Some guys could just kind of be in denial, point the finger at other people, and never take responsibility. And I think in Leonard Fournette's case, he took responsibility and realized that some things had to change. And so the on the field has been impressive. He gets his body in shape. He feels good again. He's running well. He's running with confidence. Even the first few games compared to now, I mean, that pile, again, is pushing forward. He looks explosive at times. You need a guy to get you off the goal line, it's been pretty good. You need a guy in fourth and one. I think fans are starting to get a little bit concerned about the fourth and one, the shorts. I think they're being overdramatic. I really do. I still like Leonard Fournette on fourth and one. Do I like the little dive from an over oh. the top from the from like a yard behind the quarterback? No, not really. I actually like him out of the spread on short yardage situations. I feel like it works better when he's running out of that situation with some space rather than just bursting into the pile and counting on the offensive line to make the push. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. I also like you know when you when you put the tackles and the guards tight, except that if you do that, let's be sure to you know block Geno Atkins, maybe double-team Geno Atkins a little bit, and uh, try to push those three <laughs> techniques back, because when you don't, you see what happens. So, what's that horn, by the way, I'm hearing? That's that... a lightning horn. Oh, okay, gotcha, I'm sorry. So, lightning in the area. Uh, I thought someone had like a hole-in-one or something like that. I thought, we should... <laughs> I thought we had to celebrate for a second. Uh, I, I thought someone just won a free car or something around nice. here. Somebody get us a shot over here. we got to celebrate <laughs> I, the lightning horn. I thought that was a beautiful transition to happy hour horn. Coos, you know what, man? You are all over this thing. We're all growing together here on ESPN 690. Let's interrupt this Fournette conversation for a little happy hour horn time right now.
singing. There's enough for everyone to win. We're gonna make this party the best thing happening. This is my favorite place. Nothing right will replace no. Anything goes. If you can't stand rolling, half face smiling, it's over. Think of the rhythm while you're drinking. Anything goes. Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tender. Hey, we did the Louis. Delui recently got a 98 rating. How about that? Really good stuff. They keep moving up in the world of tequila. A locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. And it, they are made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita Delui tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. Here's the deal. Until the end of this month, go to VitaDelui.com, and 50% of all the merchandise from what you purchase will go to the Bahamas and a couple of relief funds, including the Treasure Key Relief Fund and Hopetown Rising. So help out our friends in the Bahamas. Visit VitaDelui.com, and congratulations to Vita Delui Tequila for their recent 98 rating. Very good transition right there, and awesome the fact that you did not know that was the lightning alert. Why are there lightning horns? Just to let people know there's lightning in the area? Well, because uh, you have to get off the golf course. So everybody oh, that's okay. has to get off the golf course. I gosh, see, I had no idea, man. you got to play more golf. I guess so. Well, thank gosh we're underneath a canopy with a big metal ESPN 690 thing hanging over the edge of it. Well, hold on to I'm it. Not, I'm not see how that works. <laughs> hold on to it and see how it works. So anyway, for everybody that's like listening to the show and even watching the show, what you can't see is the fact that Ty is here, and he's, he played this morning. And uh, so he's just listening to the show and playing on his phone and doing whatever he's doing. But his head popped up when Austin said, what is that for? So I think even he was laughing for you. All right, Ty, we're on the same page. What are you watching, by the way? What do you got over there, Ty? What you watching? Was was that Ben 10? (laughs) No? Okay, I don't know. Looks like Ben 10. Every every cartoon I see, it's Ben 10. Let's hope he's not watching cartoons. Um I don't know. You still watch them, though, don't you? Yeah, I was. You know, I was gonna say something, man, but I was like, all right. Let's hope he's not watching cartoons. Nothing wrong with watching cartoons, Brent. It's all good. All right, it's good uh, story. Let's get back to the football talk. Let's get back on track. Uh, we're gonna get back to the Fournette, but I do want to share a story. We were talking about Yannick Ngakwe. So yeah. I'm gonna sidetrack there even even one more time. You know, Yannick has kind. Of, he 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 pays attention to everything. Oh, I right? Yeah. I mean, he knows. He mm-hmm. knows people are talking. That's cool. That's fine. A little bit of this day and age, it's easily accessible if you tweet about somebody or sure. if you're talking. And so he's not afraid to tell you. And over these last couple of months, <laughs> he hadn't been afraid to tell anybody, yeah. myself included. And uh, we had a really good conversation, uh, you know, in the in the preseason about about uh, some of the, the thoughts. But it's so funny because uh, I won't even name names, but we're going to – every time you do an interview with Yannick, yeah. he – it's like he picks somebody else out and says something. Yeah. And so yesterday, someone with me comes up to do an interview, not like from our station, but yeah. another person. So there's two of us. Yep. And he says, ah, oh, yeah, hey, uh, so undersized, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what, what, what's really cool about it for me is, and this is where I think, this is another reason why you've got to get this guy paid, and I think he's showing a maturity and a leadership about it, even though it's like, all right, man, don't worry about what everybody's saying, right? No, Some people sure. you want to kind of say that to, yeah. and, and that's okay. We all have our opinions, and we're supposed to have opinions, and not necessarily go and agree with them all the time. That's cool. Yeah. But the fact is, he doesn't, and you know this, some guys would do that, be perturbed at that, and not do the interview. Yeah, oh, <laughs> without a doubt, right? Man. I mean, they, they would probably try to come to blows with you, honestly. Like well, they, they have to be like held back. Yeah, yeah. and I've, so I've I, I really have this. As I've watched this, I've I've found it cool that Yannick Ngakwe has been able has been able to say, "Hey, 
I know what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm still going to. But I'm still going to talk to you. Yeah, you know, and and it's uh, again, there's something. He's a different different guy now, and sure. I think he's a special talent. And obviously, he's been a super value pick for them. Mm-hmm. And he sh- he said he wants to be a leader, and I think he's been one of these leaders yeah. throughout this whole Ramsey ordeal yeah. and through the first six seven weeks of this season. So a little hat tip to him. And well, one other thought: as we're in Cincinnati. He made sure he actually got a Duval chant going with the the fans that were there. There was a good group of fans. Yeah, Uh, some of them came to watch Josh Allen play up from Kentucky, but Yannick Ngakwe really engaged the fans, and he has become a fan favorite. You know, as soon as Ramsey got traded, what was the instant reaction? Pay Yann, of course, right? Mm -hmm. The the fans are on Yann's side uh, of all this, Mm -hmm. and I, I think everybody wants to see. Yannick Ngakwe get paid. I think the organization does, too. Yeah. I think they got to figure it out, you know. Um, but anyway, I wanted to share that story. Just funny. Well, Every, if you go interview, you better watch well, out, man. Here's the if thing. If you go interview Yannick Ngakwe, I guarantee you he knows you've said something about him. All right, good. And when I go interview Yannick Ngakwe, he'll be like, hey, Lane, what's up, man? Go give me a little chest bump. He'll be like, hey, let's go ahead and knock out this 30-minute exclusive interview for ESPN 690 because I heard you're trying to get me paid. Let me go ahead and get you this interview real quick, this exclusive TED Talk only on ESPN 690. So, yeah, Brent, if you want that let me go to the stadium let me go in away game and i'll be sure to set that up for us you might be able to do that you, you better, better have to go down it. and uh, set that up we're <laughs> ascending austin lane who's been in the, the corner of yon you know i also don't think it's it's good that for the whole month or two that we were talking about it yeah i had to give the other uh, the devil's oh, advocate did, side man. of it you did right you, you, well, so yeah, i yeah. was painted as like the organization of course talks well hey at the end of the day brent you always got my number man if you need a little <laughs> backup hey I got your back, dude. Uh, it's fun. I think it's been kind of cool. And, again, I've, I've actually enjoyed the way he's handled it. Yeah. And I don't think everybody would have. I don't think the guy that just left town yeah. would have handled it. Well, if the guy that just left town, by the way, yeah. had to answer to the media now mm-hmm. that he's been ripped apart at times by the media yeah. here in the last month, it would be ugly. And he wouldn't do it. No, without a doubt. In You're fact, not- for the last two weeks while he was here, he didn't talk to the media. You're tr- yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. And, and listen, as opposed to, I know I said, you know, you have my number, give me a call if things get rough. On a second thought, probably just don't use that number because the last thing I want to do is, like, have you almost come to blows with something. Because, listen, I mean, you're always fair, Brett, let's be honest. You, you're never, uh, you never speak bad about a player. I think you're always very fair and critical, and that's what you're supposed to be in this business. But if for whatever reason, sometime a, a player, you know, calls you out a little bit, wants to fight you, give me a call. But the last thing I want to do is come to the stadium, have your back, and all of a sudden be like, you know what? I might have to take the player's side on this <laughs> one, Brent. <laughs> probably, uh, it's going to make you a pretty awkward radio like, that day. Though, actually, so. you probably would, too. I probably um, would. Oh, right. yeah. You know me. <laughs> all right. Hey, let's stay on Fournette. Okay, yeah. get, or get back to Fournette. So how impressed are you with all this, really? Like, listen, everybody talks, okay? Everybody says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Sometimes you see it. And I would have been okay. To, I, listen, I saw Leonard Fournette. I saw what he was doing. His body, he looked in good shape. You could tell he was changing. We talked about it in August in training camp. But training camp's training camp. Comes out, struggles. You could easily be like, I'm shutting it down. What the heck? You know, throw your arms up. You could be complaining. You could be yelling at people. You could be doing all these things. Mm-hmm. Man, that guy's kept a cool demeanor about him. I, I mean, he's opened up to people. He, he, he talks even when he doesn't really want to talk. He talks. Uh, he... In one word, he's been impressive to me in the first two months of the season. Sure. Yeah, this is, I mean, Brent, let's keep in mind here, and like you mentioned a little bit, this is a guy who was the man in high school, had Lil Wayne rapping about him in high school, was the man at LSU, and let's be honest, anytime you're the man like that at such a young age, you're probably surrounded by a lot of people that are going to tell you how good you are and, and how great you are. And when you get to the NFL, 
regardless of if it's a small school, if it's a primetime school, SEC school like LSU, every time anyone gets to the NFL, it takes people different amounts of time to adjust, to get acquainted. Some people it takes maybe a couple games. Gardner Minshew, you know, kind of took that like water right away. For some star players, it takes a long time. And I think you have here a guy with Leonard Fournette who has been experiencing success all his life. Who even in 2017 was experiencing success. You're experiencing winning. You're playing in the AFC Championship game. It's it's the same story your entire life. Well, then all of a sudden, 2018 comes around, and now you're not winning games a lot. Now you're not having as good a season as you did you know, the previous year. Now all of a sudden people are starting to question if you're worth that pick in the draft. And you have you know, all this negativity piling on you, piling on you, and unfortunately, I felt like he dealt with it the wrong way, right? He dealt with it by showing frustration in Buffalo. He dealt with it, you know, by, by not showing up to the team picture or whatever you want to say. So it, it literally took him three years, I guess you can say, to try to learn how to be a professional. Now, some guys, even those first-round picks, even those top five, top ten picks, they never learn. And, mm-hmm. they, and they burn and they flame out. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Leonard Fournette took it upon himself, kind of looked at the man in the mirror and said, all right. Things aren't going my way right now. This is kind of new, uncharted territory, and I have to make a change. And he made a couple changes. You know, he, he got rid of that inner circle a little bit, like he's talked about in your interview that you did with him. Uh, he went to Wyoming to try to limit the distractions a little bit. And I think he's taken upon himself a little more to be uh, fan interactive, uh, to, to, to hang out with the kids, to sing happy birthday uh, in training camp and all these little things. And I get it. Like, from the outside looking in, those are just small, minuscule little things, right? Like, those are just, all right, uh, that's cool. He gave a kid a pair of shoes. I mean, a lot of players do that. All right, cool. That's cool. His first preseason game in Baltimore, he's wearing a headset because he wanted to hear the plays and help out the, the younger guys. Yeah, that's cool. It's a little thing. But those little things start to add up. You know, and, and it's not talk, Brent. This is action. And I think so far what we've seen uh, from training camp until now, we've seen a lot of action from Leonard Fournette. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm not hearing about the talking, about the action and uh, I think Leonard Fournette's made that step to be a professional because he's, he has the action now to back it up. Yeah, he said make a change. I feel like it's almost like you could break out Michael Jackson's man in the mirror. I mean, this yeah. kind of feels like it for yeah. him. I, I mean, and he did it, and he's actually shown people behind the curtain, right, and has let the documentary Jaguars.com did. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, listen, this doesn't mean he's going to be perfect, he, and he's not going to get a personal foul. He's not going to fumble. He's not going to have a game where he has 20 yards, and yeah. he runs the wrong way, not meaning the wrong way, but the wrong hole. Or yeah. he says something, or he doesn't want to talk to the media or say i mean listen that stuff happens but i'm just he's stacking up a lot of good things in a row and that's got to be good for him i don't think he cares what we think about it honestly don't but i'm just saying it's good for him it's good karma right now there's good vibes about it and more importantly on the football field on sundays it feels like he's a changed running back Mm -hmm. i mean he is more like 2017 but probably better right now i mean why is he so successful is it the offensive line, or is it something he's done, do you think, vision-wise, or his body, well, or style, yeah. or savvy experience? What is it? I mean, as far as body-wise is concerned, don't forget, like, I think in 2018, everyone was saying, like, oh, this guy is, like, you know, he, he weighed this much in high school. Like, he's, he's in the best shape of his life right now. And 2018 was his worst season that he's had. So I think for as far as the physical standpoint, I mean, he's always going to be a very special and gifted athlete. I always say that a guy that big should not be able to run that fast. Okay? Simple as that. But I think now it's more the patience. It's the vision that's that's starting to come around a little bit now. He's starting to see the game slow down a little bit, and he's starting, to, you know, and that's starting to pay dividends for him. I think we're only going to see. I think we're going to see that rise even as the games and games progress. But at the same time, and the biggest difference, Brent, from 2017 until this season, both great seasons so far for Leonard Fournette. 
but it's the leadership standpoint. You know, where last year he was appointed a captain, he probably shouldn't have been, right? The, I mean, we, we can all agree that the leadership in that locker room was failing a little bit. Well, this year we got a guy that's doing everything by the book, and yeah, like you said, he, maybe he gets a personal foul here, maybe he makes a mistake, but that's okay, because what we talked about, he got the man in the mirror right, and if you want to be a team leader, if, if you want to be the uh, guy that the, that team's going to count on in that locker room, it starts with getting yourself right in the mirror, and Leonard Fournette has done that, and when, once you do that, once you get the man in the mirror right, well, it's contagious, then other guys start to do it as well, so I think he's taking all the steps to not only be a good running back in the league, but also a great leader in that Jaguars locker room. And the combination of that is, if you think about about what this guy has been. He's always been the big dude, the dude, the guy, right? The big man on campus, the big man on his neighborhood, the big man on the Pop Warner field, the wherever. Yeah, yeah. And he, I think he relishes that. And he also knows what John Filippo said, we got to lean on Leonard. We need Leonard. I think that fires Leonard up. I think he wants to say, come on, boys, yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah. Ride my back. Put the team right? on my back. Yeah. I think he likes that. Not yeah. a lot of people love that now. No, and I most hear of you. The, And most of that's for the quarterback, usually in football. Yeah. But I think this guy has said, come on, let's well, go. And, and, Brett, to be fair, a lot of running backs don't like that either because they make business decisions, right? Like, they, they don't want to get 30 carries a game because they, they want to, you know, get the second contract and everything. I don't think Fournette cares about that right now. Uh, Fournette's doing a good job. He's first in the AFC in rushing with 715 yards, and he's on pace for all sorts of records in franchise history here in season number three. When we come back, 12 days away from a huge football game here in Jacksonville. We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, former Jags player, Austin Lane, current MMA fighter. How about that trip to Murray State? Did you get off the diet? Did you get a workout in? Did you push a car halfway? I mean, no. <laughs> well, it was funny. Like, literally, I got into Murray, and usually my go-to move would have been going to Matt B's Pizza, get two slices with two cheese sticks. Had to opt out of that and ended up getting a workout in in the weight room right away. So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had to forgo my usual plans in, in terms of this fight, but it's all good. It worked out. Now, as far as my diet's concerned, did I eat my weight in barbecue? Yeah, I really did. I uh, had a lot of uh, chicken tenders and baby back ribs, but that's that's part of the experience. But overall, I got some good workouts in, Brent, and I feel fine. So. All right, what's the deal? Do we know who we're fighting yet? Still waiting to I hear, man. No, hey, that's <laughs> It's so funny that, you know, that's one of your pet peeves. Like, you, you don't want to say we when we're talking about sports and football, but you feel the need to say we. Like, you're, like you're going to go in the cage with me I'm in and the fight corner, this man. dude with me. Yeah, do you want to come fight him with me? Sure. All right, I mean, it's what it. it takes. Let's do it. I like it, man. Uh, still waiting on the opponent. We have an idea, though, but unfortunately I can't announce anything quite. All right, well, so it's shaping up. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, here's the deal. What's up? Florida, Georgia. Yeah. If you had to name the winner right now, of the Florida Georgia game, yeah, going by days out. going going by what I saw this past weekend, really going by what you saw probably the last couple of weekends, yeah, and where things are at right now, who'd you pick? Uh, sorry, Florida Gator fans, but I'm taking Georgia, and the big reason is what I saw from Florida the past two games. Um, thankfully, this game was on when. Uh, you know, myself when I was watching our Murray State game because Murray State got beat. That's another story. But uh, with uh, those dang colonels. Listen, with, with Florida, yes, they went to uh, South Carolina. All right, they played in a rough game. They, they played in a team they're supposed to beat, and uh, you know they, they they beat a team that gave them everything they had. Fantastic. But if I'm a Florida Gator defensive lineman, or if I'm a Florida Gator linebacker, and I'm coming in to watch film after that game, I'm pretty nervous. 
because you got gashed for 200 yards against South Carolina, and you got gashed the week before as well. And this isn't a fact of they don't have the talent to, to compete to stop the run. It's a lot like the Jake horse against Carolina, if we're being serious there. Gap discipline, you know, from the linebackers, especially the defensive linemen, it, it wasn't there. And I feel like, at least with Georgia, you can say a lot of things. They don't have the explosive plays right now. They're not playing up to their, their level that they're supposed to be playing. But I feel like right now, the X's and O's, the gap discipline, Georgia has that advantage. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, Georgia feels like they're kind of in a rut right now. I mean, they they couldn't do anything until the second half. Yeah. The other night against Kentucky, now it was a slop fest. Mm-hmm. But same thing in South Carolina. It was a slop fest, and they figured it out. The Gators did, and they ended up scoring 38 points. So I don't know where Georgia is right now. And I have, just to go back, my thought has always been, Georgia, it, there's a gap still. And that gap now in my mind over the last two weeks has really closed Mm. Uh, I don't have as much confidence in Georgia and I like what I've seen from Florida's ability to come out in big games come out in games that start at noontime whatever and find a way to scratch out a win no no matter how and without whoever I mean again you know they're some of that gap discipline they don't have Zuniga they don't have Grenard they're missing some key guys on defense I think Grenard actually is the bigger loss right now because of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. when the run game so you know, they've got some excuses. I think they'll get them back. Well, especially I feel like you have Georgia's, a bye week coming up. That's yeah, going to help as well. they've got get, both got bye. So that's why we're 12 right. days out. We'll yeah. talk about it much, much more. We're going to be in RV City actually with the show <laughs> next week. So I can't wait for that. I'm excited about it. Um, so we'll talk a lot more about it. But yeah. the bottom line is it's on the horizon now. And it's it's all the marbles, too, in the East and whatever else happens. I mean, you went out, you still control everything for both of these teams. Everything is still alive in Jacksonville in a couple of weeks, which is what it's all about in this football game. So I can't wait. But I have lost some confidence in Georgia, I will say that. Yeah. And I've gained some confidence in a Florida team that I wasn't even sure should have really been in the top ten. And can they knock on the door to even be in the Final Four? I mean, are they realistically a Final Four team? If you had asked me that a few weeks ago, I would say absolutely not. Now... You know, I think they proved a lot in Baton Rouge a couple weekends ago. I think they continue to prove that Mullen knows how to win. And so I can't write the Gators off even if I don't think this is like a great Gator team. Mm. Guess what? There's not a lot of greatness right now in college football. (laughs) You found out. I mean, Wisconsin looked great. Oh, man, don't get me started in Wisconsin. But, but I mean, but isn't that kind of the telltale story? Well, like, uh, yeah. Florida doesn't lose that game. Even if they look bad, yeah. Mullen finds a way to win that game. Wisconsin loses to Illinois as a 30-point favorite with everything in front of them, yeah. and Ohio State next. I mean, you just can't do it. The only team that really, can, to me, is taking care of business it better than anybody would imagine Ohio State. is Ohio State. Yeah. Now, Oklahoma, you could probably throw in the conversation, yeah. but I think it's Ohio State. Ohio State is impressed more than any team in the country. They look like the real deal. Justin Fields looks like the real deal. Yeah. They don't have a lot of friction in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. especially now that Wisconsin has lost. You're absolutely right. Maybe a Penn State. We'll see. Yeah. But well, they look like the team to beat to me in college football, and a lot depends on Tua. A lot depends on if Clemson finds themselves a little bit more than what they have. Yeah. A lot can change, but right now I'd take Ohio State over everybody. Well, and absolutely. And, you know, and like to be fair, in that Florida game, it was a close game. You know, Trask didn't really get on a roll until the fourth quarter, and then, you know, it was kind of they, they kind of hit, hit the gas a little bit. And when you're talking about with Ohio State, their M.O., you know, the past, we'll say what you want, four or five years is the fact that, yeah, they can win the big games against Michigan and everything, and they have the talent to do that, but they always have that one game where they sputter. They have that one game where they play down the level of the competition and they don't get it done. Um, I think a couple years ago it was Purdue. Uh, I think Iowa was a game for as well. And this year, Ohio State, 
they haven't showed any signs of slowing down. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They're just that explosive. So, yeah, as you're saying, Brent, I'm a huge Ohio State fan as well. I mean, obviously I'm bitter because uh, I'm a Wisconsin guy, and uh, Wisconsin should not have played down the level of the competition of Illinois. Illinois is really not a good team at all. So it was a rough game. We'll talk about that more tomorrow uh, with Jason Fitz, I'm sure. But I'm just upset for the fact now we don't get college game day at Ohio State between Wisconsin and Ohio State. We get college game day at South Dakota State for South Dakota State and North Dakota State. Is that where they're going? Yeah. That's where they're going instead. That, it could have been Wisconsin-Ohio State. You think it would have yeah, been a Wisconsin-Ohio yeah. State, oh, did right? Because sometimes they're playing like one of these smaller places. Um, maybe. Early. I don't know. I, didn't, I, I just didn't feel see. like – yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the plan was. I just feel like if Wisconsin would have won, yeah, you got the, two teams yeah, two in the top, teams, top ten. Six. I feel like the, yeah. that, that would have been college game. But, no, let's go to South Dakota State instead. Jackrabbits. Florida's ranked seventh now. Georgia's ranked tenth now. Yeah. I mean, I did not see that coming. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I Again, I'm impressed with Florida. And that leads me into a different conversation. Uh, and that is Willie Taggart and Florida State. And I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. You, what's What's the point? We know what it is. I mean, Florida State loses again. They had a chance to win. They probably should have won. But here's my overall thought, and it goes two of them. Dan Mullen doesn't lose that game. Correct. Willie Taggart loses that game. Correct. And that's, to me, the takeaway of the weekend. You know, Florida State played well enough to win, should have won the game, all those woulda, coulda, shouldas. But Dan Mullen would have. And Willie Taggart doesn't. Yeah. And that should really tell the story. Like, you don't even have to go anywhere else because these guys both came in together at the same time. And they should be measured against each other and, and with rival schools in Florida, Florida State. And right now, Mullen is so far ahead from a wins-loss standpoint. But I think it even goes to that. It's like if you give me a close game, and a game maybe I'm not even playing well, Mullen's going to find me a way to win. And Willie Taggart's going to probably find me a way to lose. Yeah. And right now, that's the situation in both of those places. Well, you're absolutely right. And if you ask any Florida State fans, it doesn't matter who Florida State's playing, whether it's Wake Forest or if it's an FCS school. If they're in a close game and you're a Florida State Seminole fan, you have that bad feeling in your stomach. You have that bad feeling saying, oh, man, we're not, I don't think we're going to win this game. Like, you know, you, you have, there's that possibility. However, like you said, if, if you're a Dan Mullen, if you're a Florida fan, even when you're in those close games like with South Carolina, you're like, it's all right. I think they're going to pull this off. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's what Florida does. And right now, Florida State, for whatever reason, is on the other side of that, that coin. And, you, I mean, all fingers got to point to Willie Taggart, obviously. The biggest compliment for Dan Mullen is he has changed that in Gainesville. Mm. Like, that's they did feel that way in Gainesville before he got there oh, yeah. for about three, four, five years. And he I saw that Georgia, that Georgia Southern, right? I yeah, remember I mean, that game. Muschamp yeah. did the McIlwain. You didn't feel good about it. Yeah. Well, now all of a sudden, I feel so good about Mullen winning games that I almost think they're going to beat Georgia. Because I think they'll have them ready to go. Yeah. So I think that's the next test in these big games. Like Baton Rouge, you had them ready to play, but they didn't win. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they should have. They're on the road at night in Baton Rouge. That's not a game they should have won. But now these rivalry games, that's where Urban Meyer separated himself as such a good football coach because he won these rivalry games, whether he was at Ohio State, whether he was at uh, Florida. So I think that will be the next step. And, again, we'll talk about that more later on. One last thought on Florida State, by the way. All these things now going around like Mark Stoops and they might buy him a Willie Tag. If you're buying Willie Taggart out for Kentucky's coach, you got bigger <laughs> problems, Florida State. Like, oh. like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Who knows if that happens? Whatever. I'm sorry, is that the rumor right now? Well, there's, been, there's rumors flying oh, around. You know, I got Florida if State. If I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm saying, saying when's basketball season starting? But you listen, Mark Stoops has done a nice job at Kentucky. Yeah. But if you want to fire. Willie Taggart and buy him out, then you go get Bob Stoops. You don't get Mark Stoops. It's as simple as that. So I don't know where that lands. I still think, actually, Willie Taggart's going to be there. I don't think they're going to buy him out. I really don't. Um, We'll see if it changes. But you go get Bob and not Mark, and with all due respect to what the job Mark's done. 
if you're going to get a Stoops, you go get Bob somehow and, and talk him back into the game um, and, and out of the XFL or whatever he's, he's in. Uh, hey, uh, we do have to mention this. Mark Rick tweeted today he had a heart attack. How about that? A former Canes coach. Wow. Had a heart attack. He says he's doing well um, and, and he's okay and stable and all uh-huh. those things. I mean, enough to tweet. Yeah. Uh, but Mark Rick had a heart attack today. Wow. Uh, so uh, thoughts with Mark yeah. Rick, who really is a pretty awesome dude. So um, uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. In fact, a lot of a surprise uh, earlier on this uh, Monday. One other thought uh, about uh, Miami. Maybe Manny Diaz with an awful loss against Georgia Tech. And I yeah. just kind of tooted his horn the other day. I said, I kind of like Manny Diaz. I think he's going to be the right guy. But that was a bad loss for Miami. I mean, they should not have lost uh, to Georgia Tech. All right, that's the college stuff. I want to get back to the NFL. I want to get back to the Jags. It's Victory Monday. And if you're just jumping in on the show, I want to talk about some of the things that we saw yesterday's game. There's a lot to like about yesterday's game. One, they got it done. Right, You talk about a team that knows how to win and doesn't know how to win. I think Doug Marone's a little bit like that. He can find a way. You know, It wasn't too long ago the Jacksonville Jaguars were like Cincinnati. Cincinnati found a way to lose that game yesterday. Sure. Right? The Jaguars used to find a way to lose those games. And even though they played okay and were right in it and had a chance, they're up 10-9 late, well, Cincinnati loses. The Jags find a way to win even though it wasn't pretty. And I think you have to appreciate that about this football team, that when they needed to win, they got to win. And now the big question is, can they get back to 500? And then we'll get that critical three-game stretch. It's like we already had this critical three-game stretch, sure. but now that they've beaten Cincinnati, yeah. it's really one game and then another three-game stretch. Well, and, and here's the thing about finding ways to win, too, is that they it's been in different ball games, right, where you go to Denver, and it was more of an offensive affair, right? Like, I mean, there's touchdowns nonstop. And then you go to Cincinnati, where it was more, the, at least the first half, especially in the middle of the third quarter, it was field goal, field goal, field goal. Kind of a lower scoring, uh, you know, affair where you have to rely more on your defense. And they found a way to win both games. So, yeah, I mean, it's one thing if you're in a barn burner, you find a way. It's another thing if you're in a low scoring game. The Jaguars have done both of those, Brent. So, like you said, I think that's a testament to coaching and, and guys just having the confidence and the ability to believe that they have that game because it wasn't all but a couple of years ago where people knew, like, once it was, you know, they're up by 10 or even up by a touchdown. It's like, oh, here we go again. Another Jaguars loss. So, yeah, it is promising going forward. All right, now back uh, to the quarterback situation. Gardner Minshew, I think he found something that was missing against the Saints. He obviously was more productive. He played better. Didn't turn it over. Used his legs. Did enough to get the win. Yeah. He still didn't light the world on fire. This wasn't the first five games of his NFL career. He's in a little bit of a, all right, teams are trying to figure me out. Things are not as easy as they were the first month I was playing. Sure. That leads into how much confidence do you have over these next couple of games? And are you almost convinced now, with Nick Foles' practicing on Wednesday, eligible to come back after the bye week, that this is a two-game stretch for Gardner Minshew, and you're handing off the keys to the $88 million quarterback. It's it's so hard to tell here, Brent, because, and we'll see how the Jets look tonight, and I get it's a week-by-week league. Um, One would think that the Jaguars have a really good shot at beating the New York Jets. And then it comes down to the Houston game in London. You know, it's on a neutral field. It's on a field that Minshew has no idea, has zero experience playing on. It's it's in a, I'm sure it's it's in a country that Minshew's probably never even been to before. So that's going to be a new experience for him. And then that's going to be a very telling experience because if Minshew comes out uh, against a Texans team who we don't really quite know what, what they are, Brent. We don't know if, if, if they're the perennial playoff team like we saw when they played the Chiefs or if they're kind of like the middle-of-the-road team like we saw uh, this past you know, Sunday when they played the Colts. But we really don't know what the Texans uh, are doing. But I will say this, though. 
the Texans are still good on defense. I mean, the, the, they sacked Jacoby Brissett, and I, I was watching that game. I guess it was the first time Joe, Joe, uh, Jacoby Brissett's been sacked in three games or something like that. Wow. Like, like, I guess that offensive line for the Colts is absolutely playing out of their mind right now. So you're still going to play a pretty good ha- Houston Texans defense, and you have to ask the question, if Minshew is able to put these next two together, and I, I get Foles is slated to come back, what do you do? Because if it's me, I'm rolling with the guy that's getting you the wins right now, regardless of how those wins look, uh, regardless of what happens in the game. If you're winning ball games, you're winning ball games. Yeah, and I, it just feels like I'm not. Listen, they he had a tough game last week. He's three and three Agreed. now as a starter. Yeah, he played better, but he's going to have to play lights out in these next two games. You know, mm-hmm. I got a feeling he's either going to have to do one or two things. Now, listen, you know where we we stood. If we go back a few weeks and everything does change, and that's why I'm kind of interested. You know, two weeks ago, everybody wanted Nick Foles traded. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) And now, I think everybody's like, oh, that's a good thing we got Foles on that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We might need that guy. But let's – and I get that. But every quarterback has those games, especially a rookie quarterback. I get it. I'm just saying the temperature. I get you. And and so, I think there's two ways he keeps the job. One, he just absolutely plays lights out. And then you start looking at the numbers because, again, he is in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. He's got 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. I think first the stat time in is history. nobody's ever done that in their first seven games, I think. Seven, or, is that what it is? No, or just nobody's ever had 10 and 2 as a rookie or, or 10 and 2? It's in like the first couple games that they've started. No one's ever put. I up think it's the first seven games. First of their seven career. games. Of the that's career. what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, I believe that's the case. So anyway, he's which still, by the way, he, he hasn't played seven games yet either. He's only played in six. Well, no, well, he started six. He's played seven. Played in seven. Okay. So you, yep. yeah. So he's got all these stats on his side, yeah. and, and again, I think he's in that conversation. But he's about to go to the bench in a couple of games potentially. There's two ways he, he keeps the job. One. Oh, there's actually three. So I'll add a third, even though I don't think this is likely. Mm-hmm. But the one is that he just plays lights out. You yeah. know, he plays a little bit That's more like he one. did that first month. Mm-hmm. And he's and they're winning games, of course, but he's he's playing really well. The other thing is they win these two games, but he does it in, like, dramatic fashion. You know, mm-hmm. I almost take you back to, like, it's the Denver game. Yeah. Like, he wasn't unbelievable in the Denver game, but he's really unbelievable in a big moment. Sure. Right? Yeah. He got him in position. He did what he had to do. I mean, he was good in the Denver game, but he wasn't great. Yep. It almost reminds you a little bit of, like, those Tebow, that Tebow year yeah. with Denver, where Tebow would play awful for 50. And I'm not saying this is what it's like. But you can do that. You can accomplish this. Where you play bad for like 45 minutes or not great, but then in the final five minutes, ten minutes, two minutes, whatever it is, you turn it on so much that it feels like you just had the game of your life. Correct. And so if Minshew has something like that over the next two weeks, or he compiles all these great things, well, then I think he's got a real chance at five and four to stay in the driver's seat. The way I've always thought about this, I think there's a big difference between five and four and four and five, the way they feel about it. I think four and five, they're going to foals, no doubt. I think five and four, it makes them think a little bit where this football team is, where it's been, where it, what it has done with Minshew, how he's playing, all these things now come into play. And then there is one last thing to keep in mind when it comes to Minshew, Foles, handing him the keys. And that is, yes, it looks like Foles is going to be on the practice field on Wednesday. That doesn't mean he's ready Correct. to play football. Now, he can't be ready to play football until November 17th. So I just want... Is there any chance of a setback if he's not fully ready? Do you sit him out one more week and maybe Minshew gets a 10th game against the Colts? You know, who knows? So I guess you have to keep that scenario in mind, although unlikely. It's certainly shaping up like uh, Nick Foles will be ready to go on that 17th against Indianapolis. I mean, he's been throwing the ball around. He'll be back on the practice field this week. My question to you, you know, since we're in the realm of speculation. Oh, yes. Let's, let's say we're that. in the world of speculation. 
Let's say that Foles does come back and starts for the Jacksonville Jaguars once again. Jaguars won the Super Bowl. Well, okay. But happened before. Okay, but let me ask you this question though. Does that hurt Gardner Minshew's development as a quarterback? Yes, because he's not playing. But it doesn't matter because that's what he was brought here to be. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I mean, I get what you're saying. He Absolutely. was drafted here to back up Nick Foles. And yeah. that just then falls under the category of, well, you don't lose your job by getting hurt. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, But to answer I, I your question that. succinctly, yes, he's not playing. Of course yeah. it hurts his development. Yeah. But I don't think it scars him. Okay. If it's what you're asking. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. No, I yeah. think he it's just part of it. Gotcha. I okay. think he has he's gotta to try to do everything in his power to keep that job. But he's gotta know we all begin with the idea that he's giving that job back to Nick Foles. Fair enough. And I think it's it's shaping up to be that way on November seventeenth. Put a bow on the show here from Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, UNF four scholarship golf tournament. They had a morning round, an afternoon round, and now it's beautiful here in Jacksonville. We'll come back to wrap up the show on ESPN six ninety next. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Brent Martineau along with Austin Lane, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. On a Monday where the Jags got the win 27-17, to we do have Jags Report Live coming up in an hour or so on CBS 47. Be out at Top Golf. So going right from Jacksonville Golf and Country Club to Top Golf. It's been a day of golf and football. I mean, what's better than that? Let's sign up every day for that. Gardner Minshew will join us at Top Golf tonight. So come on out to the program. Uh, I do want to make uh, this clear to you, and I haven't really advertised it and said it, but it's not like an autograph signing. It's not like there was at, I think it was Sports Mania a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we're doing a show, and, and uh, then he could be on his way. It's even a little bit different of a setup than Mellow Mushroom and Avondale for Jaguars All Access. So just want everybody to be clear on that and know that. But come on out, be a part of it, have some fun, and... Uh, Hopefully you get a chance to, to rub shoulders with the Jaguars quarterback, Gardner Minshew, coming off another win yesterday. We're going to rub some shoulders with Athletic Director Lee Moon right now from the University of North Florida. Congratulations. Another good day. I know you got the lightning horn on you, but uh, two flights and, and a lot of support for the Ospreys. Yeah, we had like 43 foursome, so it was a really, really good day. And we got almost finished. And then there's still some of the hardcore that are, went back out after the Lightning oh, they did go back. oh yeah, they're out there. They're finishing. Yeah, you know. You got to take advantage of these new greens now. Oh man, they look good. Oh my goodness, it's a. This is big time. Yeah. I know what they've done with the course and that's it, a great place. They're fast and they're firm and true. True. Yeah, it's it makes makes golf fun. Even somebody that's not very good. Can, <laughs> Absolutely. At least, a, at least have a chance. Well, listen, we got basketball media day tomorrow for you guys, which yeah. means basketball's here. And obviously that's a big deal on your campus. A lot of things are a big deal, but uh, basketball is, is your signature sport. Um, are you excited about what you have? Yeah, well, I'm excited for both men and women. Yeah. I think the women are going to make a big jump, and I think the men are going to be very competitive. It's We've had a good fall with the rest of our sports. We're, we're really we're doing a, having a great year so far. So, But I'm excited for where we are. Um, like I said, the men were picked second and the women were picked like third or fourth, but um, I think they're way underrated. So That's good. Hopefully they are. It's going to be a fun thing. It's opening up down in Florida. Yeah. It's going to be By the way, just came out number 16 in the country, uh, the Florida Gators. <laughs> yeah, we don't schedule any lightweights. So we, we ne- we've never done that. We've always tried to play some big it. boys early and see what we're made out of and take the challenge and get better. and. It just prepares us for the the conference play, and I think our conference has has really upped its level. And so to be picked second, we know we got a tall task against Liberty, but uh, and everybody else. But 
It'll be interesting for us. I think they're ready to go. Good stuff. Last question for you. Uh, Facility-wise, you got a new beach volleyball court going in, and, and you're doing some things at the softball field. Anything oh, else happening on campus? Oh, good Lord, yes. We're uh, That's where I spend all my time in meetings. We're, we're actually uh, putting <laughs> You in meet a, to meet, don't you? Wow. Well, <laughs> like you mentioned, we're doing beach volleyball, and that'll be, that'll, that'll project will really they'll start building it uh, sometime in December and have it ready by the end of January. It's, it's not a huge time lapse to build it but we'll get that done we're building bleachers for the softball facility and that'll be completed we hope before christmas um we're we're in the design phase of building a new swim pool on campus for our ncaa swim team so we're doing that and then we have another construction project that we're renovating at the end of basketball we're redesigning the bleachers and so the the two side court bleacher sections are going to be taken out and replaced. So that's that's another big project. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. And we're starting to look to fund and raise money for uh, a new soccer comp, a pure soccer men's women's soccer complex. Really, separate from Hodges because we're just we really have an opportunity to really focus on uh, Hodges being a track event okay. destination because of that surface. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's just a big opportunity. We've established ourselves uh, as a soccer capital on the East Coast, and uh, we're getting a lot of attention. So we're, it's a real community effort with Visit Jacksonville and TDC is to bring track events here, major and national track events here. So we're really just got a lot of things going on. Awesome. It's fun good time. Stuff. Good stuff, and you look healthy. So good to see you. Yeah, healthy. doing well. Got a new not, got a new knee. I was gonna so. say usually I see you in a crutches or a boot or something. But oh yeah, well, now you're swinging a golf club. I haven't got much left to be repaired. It's all, <laughs> I'm, I'm be a bionic at some point. Uh, all right. Well, UNF athletic director Lee Moon, have a good uh, basketball season coming up. Keep well, up we'll the look good forward work. to seeing you. Hopefully you'll be able to work with us and do we'll a lot be of there. stuff. ESPN Plus. Yep. Only doing. problem is I got to work with Junior. I know. It's the only issue. Well, you got to find somebody who knows a little bit about basketball. A little bit. I mean, you said, you said a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Nah, it's a lot of fun. We do the games. All right, hand those off if you don't mind. Austin Lane, awesome. as we put a bow on the show. Thanks for having us out here at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. Congrats on a, on a great day. 43 foursomes out here for UNF uh, to help out the scholarship program. And we've only got a minute or so left in the show, Austin. All right, I got Good. Gardner Minshew coming on the show. Yeah. All right? Yeah, that's so, awesome. What should we ask Gardner Minshew? Oh man, what should you ask? By the way, we put this out there for the fans. Okay. And you should see some of the replies. Like, it's not healthy. People, you are not healthy. Yeah. Uh, What should you ask Gardner Minshew? What's been the biggest takeaway that he's learned in from his first six weeks of the NFL? Uh, So I would ask him what's something that he wasn't expecting and what's something that he's, uh, you know, he's kind of taken to and he's, he's had an easier time with and. People expect him to have All right. time with. Something I think like what I'm thinking of asking him is, does he want to change his jersey number from 15 to 20? Okay. Uh, I like that. <laughs> and also ask him how my interview was at the Senior Bowl with him, because I feel like it was great. Let's see if he remembers it. He yeah, hasn't been interviewed go. much since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, fun day out here at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. Join us. Top Golf tonight, CBS 47. Come on over. 7 o'clock. Gardner Minshew will be there with the Action Sports Jacks team. For Austin Lane and Coos back there, I'm Brent Martineau. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you on TV tonight. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.